Hello, and welcome to another episode of Don't Fuck With The Original. I'm your host, Casper. And I am your other host, Becky Grimlin. Here to bring you all things spooky on Wednesdays because... Wednesdays are for podcasting. Yes, they are. And today we're diving into a deep, dark subject of Mr. Jeffrey Dahmer. But before we go into that, I would like to introduce you to one of my absolute best friends, Mackenzie. Hello. Who is a huge Dahmer fan herself, which is why she's here. So we're going to pretty much just kind of give an overview of his early life, um, talk about his murders, his arrest, and all that fun and interesting stuff. Um, Mia and Becky are kind of going to take turns with um, what, um, like the beginning, like I'm going to go over a lot of the beginning, and then Becky's going to take over. So Yeah, kind of more towards the middle to end of his life. More to the middle of end to his life, sorry, if you guys couldn't hear me. Um, so probably like more from like his mid to late 20s into the capture after his last murder into his death and so on. So, yep. And you'll hear Mackenzie chime in. <laughs> um, okay. So, first of all, if you guys did get a chance to watch the movie My Friend Dahmer, it goes over his early life starting probably in his what, I would say high school years? It was at the end of his high school. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so you kind of see what goes on with his mom. You're seeing what's going on with his dad and his little brother, David, whom he named. Um, and it's actually a really good movie. Um, the first time I saw it, I wasn't really into it because I was expecting something different. But seeing it a second time and really taking in what was really happening, I thought it was a fantastic movie. So if you guys do get a chance... Please do give that movie a watch. Uh, Ross Lynch plays Jeffrey Dahmer. And if you guys don't know who that is, he plays Harvey on Sabrina. And now I can't unsee that. (laughs) So um, he was also, what was he on on Disney Channel? He was on Disney Channel on something. Oh, it was. Was it? I keep thinking that it was like. He plays the, the sweet, guitar. The sweet like of sweet no. life. Of no, it wasn't sweetly. He came after them. No. Oh my god, guys! I'm sorry. I literally <laughs> oh, have no man. frame of reference. I was so much older. Um, it's like Allie and something. These were literally uh, kids he, to me, he guys. Came, he like, was on literally kids. See though, but he was on Disney. Austin I, and Allie. Yeah, I didn't oh, even watch okay. Disney yeah. anymore at that point. Um, but what I was telling, I was telling Mackenzie earlier, I was like, it's, <laughs> it's so funny how all these Disney boys are growing up to be serial killers. You got Ross Lynch as Jeffrey Dahmer and Zac Efron as Ted Bundy. <laughs> you never know what's going to happen anymore. Disney makes them go crazy. <laughs> that's the problem. Oh, that's for sure. Um, okay, so starting off, I'm just going to kind of give a little bit of an overview of him. Um, his name is, full name is Jeffrey Lionel Dahmer. He was called the Milwaukee Cannibal or the Milwaukee Monster. He was an American serial killer who committed rape, murder, and dismemberment of 17 men and boys from 1978 to 1991. He was heavily involved in necrophilia, cannibalism, and permanent preservation of body parts, typically all or part of the skeleton, usually the skull. Um, he was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder, schizophrenia. Schizophrenia. I literally can't pronounce that word. I'm. <laughs> We're just gonna say a different kind of personality disorder, because um, I can't pronounce. It looks like schizotrope. What I can't read upside down. Schizotropal. Uh, 
schizotypical. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's probably what it is. Um, personality disorder. We'll I apologize. No one can read my handwriting, we'll including myself. <laughs> well, I didn't go with psych. <laughs> it's like, psych. which psychotic disorder is it this time? And, and do I um, know how to spell it? <laughs> can you spell it? And say it. <laughs> um, he was found to be, he actually, though, even though he was diagnosed with those, he was found to be sane at his trial. He was convicted of six, 15 out of 16 murders he committed in Wisconsin. He was sented, sentenced 15 to life terms, 15 life terms on February 15th, 92. He was also sentenced another life term for an additional homicide in Ohio in 1978, and he was beaten to death by a fellow inmate. So that's an overview of what we're about to do and get into as far as all of the craziness that is Jeffrey Dahmer. So he was born... At the invan- evangelical, oh Jesus, I'm not going to be able to read. <laughs> I can't even you said fucking it right. read. Evangelical um, Deaconess Hospital in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, in May 21st of 1960. He was the first of two sons to Joyce Annette and Lionel Herbert Dahmer. His mother worked as a machine instructor, and his father was a student at Marquette University working towards a degree in chemistry. Um, it had been claimed that Dahmer was deprived of attention as an infant. Um, his mother found the routine of breastfeeding very irritating and exhausting, so she refused to feed him that way. Um, other sources do suggest that Dahmer was doted on by both parents, although his mother was known to be tense and greedy for attention by his father. Um, Dahmer entered first grade and his mother began to spend an increasing amount of time in bed recovering from weakness. Lionel's studies kept him away from home much of the time. And when he was home, his wife demanded his attention. So most of the time that Dahmer was a child, his mother was constantly just sick. She was taking all kinds of medicines. She was, she was the one that was actually bipolar she was diagnosed with bipolar disorder and schizophrenia um and she anytime that Dahmer she paid no attention to him and anytime his dad was home she demanded all of his dad's attention so he literally got nothing as a child too like that's the prime time when they need the most attention because they're gonna learn from that and grow from that and especially as a baby um like that's how you thrive like, they need that personal interaction, like, touch-to-touch touch and all that. And she wanted nothing to do with him. Um, and then also in the movie, my friend Dahmer, mom, makes a statement saying, Oh, I took these pills while I was with you. So, was she doing drugs that she wasn't supposed to while she was pregnant with him? Well, we don't know. <laughs> the interview that his dad did with his mom... Well, his dad did an interview with Oprah, and then him and his dad did an interview with Stone Phillips after he was arrested, incarcerated and his mom took lithium and some other medications. <clears throat> lithium is very common for bipolar disorder. Mm-hmm. And she took them while she was pregnant. Now, and that's she, very detrimental. Right. Like they even pointed that out on the movie. She's like, I'm taking these all the time. I even took these when I was pregnant with you. Right. But now in an interview with Joyce, she said that she actually, didn't know what medications she was on. She said, I had no idea what medications I I was on. I just took whatever they gave me. 
but I never took anything that would have endangered my son during pregnancy, which Tell made me no sense, sense to me. That <laughs> I wouldn't take anything no that would hurt him. Like, but, 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 what was I taking? but I don't know what I was taking. I just took whatever my doctor gave me. That liter- that's literally what she said. And that makes no fucking sense. That's like <laughs> saying I'm going to drink alcohol while I'm pregnant because it's fine. I think it's no wonder that she had abandoned or he had abandonment, abandonment issues. issues. I yeah. mean, he had the, the longer we go on with the story of his history and to the murders, everybody will kind of, I mean, I'm not condoning in any way. None of us here are, but you, you get, see a pattern. You definitely see a pattern and you get an idea of why he just needed someone close to him because well, he it was, was just like, I was telling Mackenzie, your mom is I'm your like, closest person and his yeah. own mother abandoned him. Pretty it was much. just like, I was telling Mackenzie, I'm like, I feel like the reason why I enjoy Dahmer so much is because I sympathize with him. And a lot of you are probably like, what the actual fuck? No, hear me out here. Listen, this man grew up his entire life with not, not having attention from anybody. He needed to be in control of something. He he felt like his life was spiraling out of control. He felt like he had no control. He felt like no one cared about him. He was also dealing with the fact that he was gay. I mean, like, you're you're talking about somebody who needed someone and had no one. And I I I feel for him. I truthfully do, because you know, when I'm sure when Becky goes over his murders. He didn't want to kill anybody. His his intention was never to kill. His intention was control. Mm-hmm. So. And the other one thing, and I, this will kind of go into later, but I just did not want to forget to bring this up because you, because of you saying that he was gay. I think something that, again, in that interview that his dad did with, uh, the, like an old Dateline interview his dad did, which was so interesting. Mm-hmm. His dad, like, his dad because of his, I believe he was Church of Christ, some type of Christian uh, sect type sect. And his dad said unequivocally that he was completely against homosexuality. That if he knew that Jeffrey was a homosexual, he absolutely unequivocally would not condone it because he was totally against it because of his religion. But what really interested me in him saying that is that even after the trial, him being convicted, him being in prison, he still loved and supported his son even after finding out he was a serial killer, but you would have disowned him if you found out he was gay? It's okay to be a killer. It's okay to kill and dismember and eat people, but don't (laughs) suck dick, son. (laughs) Eat one, don't suck one. Just saying. Like, how does that (laughs) Oh my God, that needs to be on a shirt. Eat one, don't suck one. Eat one, don't suck one. (laughs) That's a good life lesson. As Grandma always said, eat one, don't suck one. Well, I have to admit that that's not what I'm going to practice in my life. Well, actually, I guess it will. I technically, I te- guess technically you do eat them. Technically don't. I'm talking about vaginas, though, not penises. Anyway. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, Lord. We're not going to go into that logistic. Oh, so, Dahmer turns into the a visuals. gay lesson. So. <laughs> um. So anyway, so back to his childhood. He was described as being an energetic and happy child until he became notably subdued. Now, um, he did have a double hernia surgery, which was done when he was almost four years old. He recalled his early years of being extreme tension, which he noted between his parents who became 
he, who he observed to be constantly arguing with each other. Now, he, this whole surgery thing is what changed him. He was mm. an happy child until he had the surgery, and then it was like a f- switch. But the hernia surgery was like not just a normal surgery, it was literally on his scrotum. Like, of his genitalia. Yes. Like, imagine as a child, like, going through a surgery that has to do with your most intimate part of your body. Like, that is horrific. He thought they cut his penis off. He actually thought he he said that too, didn't he? Yeah, he thought he was castrated. Yeah. It horrified him. It's actually called, I, because... I you would become I, distraught too. You and I are a little bit because you we both have had our experiences in the medical field. So it's called yeah. an for anybody listening, anybody that's that's familiar, it's called an inguinal hernia. And it's actually something that's pretty common. I mean, it even happens to men later in life. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of men can experience it from lifting things that are way too heavy and yeah. straining. And they're very, very painful. Right, extremely. Because it's so right how the fuck does your, a four-year-old get that? Some he could be pooping. And straining, yeah, no, literally, oh, literally yeah. from straining yeah. so hard. Okay. Yeah, 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 it can it can happen that way. But I mean, that like you said, how incredibly traumatizing yeah. could that be as a child? Not only to be in that type of pain, but then you he like I said, he actually thought that they castrated, him. and they then also that age you're starting to like explore and like you see something new, and you're like, oh, this is something that somebody else doesn't have, and you're like learning about it, and then all of a sudden you have this surgery, and you're like, it's gone. Like, I'm not me anymore. Yep. Like, it's, it's very scary. <laughs> really psychological, too. Yeah. I have to say, I feel like that that messed him up a bit. Oh, yeah. Oh, for Especially sure. Especially because, like you were saying before, when you're young and you're that young of a child, that's when you're developing mm-hmm. your personality. That's when you're developing you who you are as a person. And to have something like that happen to you that young, yep. it just changed him, like, immediately. Um, so in elementary school, he was regarded as quiet and timid by his peers. On his first grade report card, a teacher even described him as a reserved child who she since felt neglected, which we had discussed before that he pretty much was neglected. Um, he did have a small number of friends despite being reserved. From an early age, he actually manifested an interest in animals. Um, <clears throat> friends recalled him being collecting large insects and butterflies, which he would place inside jars. He also collected animal carcasses from the roadside, accompanied by one or more of his new friends. He would dismember the animals either at home or in the woods behind his home. According to one friend that Dahmer had, he dismembered these animals and stored the parts in jars in the family uh, tool shed. And he was always explaining how he was curious how each animal fitted together. Okay, so I want to bring something up about myself. And actually, this is really funny because when I was a kid, I used to collect insects and I would tear them apart. So what does that say? Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> what does that say about me? I mean, when I would catch lightning bugs, I would squeeze the, like, juice out of it. Oh, I used to do that, too. I mean, it's... And then, like, rub it on your fingers because yeah, you would see and then it you glow. glow. And then you glow. Yeah. But it's for magic. Him, for him, like, <laughs> explaining that he wanted to see how they fitted together, that's how I was. When I was, like, I used to, I actually went, when, you know, cicadas happened, I actually found two of them mating, and I pulled them apart, and the guy's penis came off. Like the, the what the fuck? This, <laughs> this, you're like the worst cock block ever. <laughs> this is why I'm a lesbian. I mean, when I was in high school, we had to dissect a cricket, 
and we had to pull the mandible off. And I remember Ooh, grabbing oh it and pulling it and hearing it crack. And I just started bawling my eyes out. Like, I was crying so hard that the teacher came over and was like, you need to go be with a partner over there. <laughs> like, totally, like, brushed me aside like, you need to go. I was like, I can't, can't do this. You cannot handle this. <laughs> You're dismissed. <laughs> like, like cutting things open and like seeing things is like really cool. Like surgeries, I think they're awesome. But like actually like pulling a like a bone mm. out of something, I can't do it. See, that's the funny part because when I pulled him apart and it came off, his whole ass just was gone, and he died, and she flew away. <laughs> and was... Maybe she was getting raped though. Now come to think of it, <laughs> yeah. you could have been like, I saved you her for life. saving me, <laughs> and I was like, I killed him for you. <laughs> Oh but yeah, I used to literally like I loved watching insects die. You know so what's funny, I though? I never went to animals because fuck that bullshit. I, I think, love animals, but I think every kid kind of has their own weird uh like little eccentric things. eccentric things. Like even his own dad said, you know, I thought that was interesting. His dad mentioned that when he was a kid, he used to set fires. You know, he was, like, obsessed with fires. He used to set fires to things. Mm-hmm. And... Oh, I love fire. I yeah. still do. I mean, I did, too. I, I still, still love do. fire. You oh know what I'm God. saying? So, yeah. I mean, I think there's certain things that, you know, sometimes I think that people need to be sort of careful in what they kind of, quote, unquote, overanalyze. Because I yeah. do think that there's some things that some kids do that are really just kind of a normal part of being Good a job. regular kid. Yes. But, you know, obviously there's some things that if they all start to link together and they seem disturbing, it's like, ugh. It was like okay, I just said. Maybe I, we need to. I didn't grow up to be a serial killer. Right. I dismembered insects, but I didn't dismember animals. I also right. didn't pick up roadkill. Right. And put it in acid. And if and somebody would fucking hurt my. off the flesh. If somebody <laughs> would fucking hurt BB or my guinea pig, <laughs> I would literally destroy their life right. so <laughs> you know they had yeah, a pet they had dogs. a pet dog as a kid though and he they never did, did yeah, anything he, mm. he never did anything no i actually dog, was about to go into that um weird. he did decapitate a dog this was not his dog right okay, but he yeah. did decapitate a dog before nailing the body to a tree and then impaled the, sc- the skull with a stake um of a wood beside a wooden cross in the woods behind his house and didn't he show a bunch of kids at school that that was... I almost wonder if he did that more to, to feel like he wanted to be popular. Because I think I remember hearing <laughs> he a story... He did a lot of stuff, too. Yeah. Just to get, get attention. attention. Yeah. yeah, maybe not be popular, necessarily. Sorry. He just wanted yeah. just someone to, to say, cool. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, pay attention to me. Even if he they thought he was He didn't get us a kid, weird. you gotta find us somewhere. Yeah. You know? Guys, um, if you want attention, don't be nailing dog bodies to trees. Don't and... do that. Just go work on the street corner. Just kidding. (laughs) So many other ways to get attention. Just kidding. That would be better than nailing a dog. (laughs) Don't do either one of those things. How about just be a person and go up to someone and say, hey, you want to be friends? Or scare them behind a bank desk. Normal. (laughs) Oh, fuck off. (laughs) That's how me and Mackenzie met. (laughs) Actually. Um, So his fascination with dead animals pretty much began when he was four. His father was removing, his father actually noted this, that he was removing animal bones from beneath the home, and he said Jeffrey had an odd thrill by the sound the bones made, and developed a fixation for playing and collecting animal bones. Maybe he just should have been in the band and played the drums. I mean, he was in the band, but he didn't play the drums. Maybe he should have changed his He should have played, because you know bones kind of sound like um, xylophones? He should have played a xylophone. That's fucked up. I'm like, you know bones kind of sound like xylophones? 
Exactly. It's exactly what I was thinking. We need to take her Bone to a <laughs> I'm about to be put in a straight jacket, guys. <laughs> guys, she killed bugs as a kid. Like, Bones on a silo. All kinds of things coming out now. <laughs> Dahmer just brings out the cereal. You guys color know in me. how bones sound like? No, we don't. No, tell us how bones sound like. What? Not that I've experienced it in real life. It's just what I've heard on TV, movies, and shows. I would like to disclose that. Oh god. Oh Jesus Christ! Someone's gonna like be like Casper from this fucking show needs to be checked into. Uh, yeah, we need a welfare check. <laughs> um. So, by this time, the Dahmer family relocated to Dale- Doylestown, Ohio. Ohio, Yee-hee. represent. Oh, H-I-O. No. 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 <laughs> We're all like, no. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not In October it. of 1966, <laughs> yeah. Joyce was pregnant with her second child, and then she gave birth on December 18th, 1966. Jeff was actually allowed to choose the name for his brother, and he chose David. David. Later that year, Lionel achieved his degree and. Obtained employment as an analytical chemist in Akron, Ohio. Not actually too far from here. And then in 1968, the family, ke- the family chemist, I can't fucking read guys. The family relocated to Bath, Ohio. Two years later, over a meal of chicken, Dahmer asked his father what would happen if the bones of the chicken were to be placed in a bleach solution. Because that's a normal thing for your child to ask. <laughs> Here's the funny thing. This is when things start adding up. Like, mm, yeah. Here's the funny thing. Lionel was concerned as to Jeffrey's placid and lethargic attitude and his solitary existence. So he was happy that he displayed interest in this scientific question. Can I just say lethargic is a very bad word to use there? From a medical standpoint. Like, that's just a bad word to use there. Yeah. (laughs) Like a not proper not using the correct... Because he really wasn't... Look- he really yeah. wasn't walking around like a dead person. He had a flat affect. Like, his face exactly. was just... Blah. Yeah, it was monotone. Very Which Ross Lynch plays very well. He in did a phenomenal job. Just that very, just like, deadpan. The face, the hunched over, the Perfect. mannerisms. He... I mean, he even talked about how, like, he would stay the night in the family house. I, I watched an interview with him about the movie. And he actually like would stay in the family house and would like get vibes from the house of like what he went through how to act as Dahmer and like all that and like he would take it with him throughout the whole thing and he even said that when the movie was over he would go home like to his actual house and he felt like he didn't belong he felt like that wasn't where he was supposed Places to Places hold energy. Yeah. I yeah. fucked him up probably a little oh, bit. Yeah, yeah, he was like, I, I don't feel right being here. This isn't my home. That's probably why he went on Sabrina and was like, hail Satan. More <laughs> horror. <laughs> hey, a little, hey, a little change of scenery, sort of. <laughs> so I just thought that was really cool. That is that actually is, that is really it's, cool. It's really neat to hear backstories. I'm really glad you brought that up. It's cool to hear backstories from the people who play those people and how mm-hmm. they get into character. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm really interested to see interviews with Zac Efron. Oh, when he, when he talks Bundy. about Bundy. Yes. So I'm, I'm really excited for that. By the way, guys, May 3rd, Netflix. It's Ted on my Bundy. calendar. So really <laughs> with Sharpie. Like, so excited. So excited. <laughs> she was like, this day is taken. All, oh, this day. <laughs> I hope I don't work. I'll take that She's going to call off. <laughs> I'll probably be at work with my phone propped up just to the side like "Mm, I'm working (laughs) I'm clearly working on things (laughs) 
Um, so anyways, he, so his father willingly demonstrated this to his son, how to safely bleach and preserve animal bones. He then took that knowledge and used it when he did it to human bones. Yeah, I'm totally going to get that information to my son. This is how you do it. And so he was how old by Just now? So, you know, son. so this was 1970 um, is by this point. So he was 10. Yeah, he wasn't very old. He was 10. If my 10-year-old was like, "Oh, hey, um how do I?" I'd be like, "Bitch, no. We're not going. Okay, I'm going to take you to the doctor. Putting you in therapy. Let's go to the zoo. Watch live Let's animals. Find something else for you to do. That's... Let's go to the zoo. Ends up driving him to a mental hospital. Yeah. But let's go to the psychiatrist. We're going to Disney World. No, we're not. Is he going to react like that little girl? <laughs> <laughs> we're going to Disneyland. Uh-uh. She's like, bitch, what the fuck? <laughs> All right, so from his freshman year at Revere High School, Dahmer was seen by his peers as an outcast. Many of his classmates re- later recollected being disturbed by the fact that he drank beer and hard alcohol, which he smuggled into the school inside the lining of his army fatigue jacket. And scotch. Then concealed it in his locker, yes. It was mm-hmm. mostly scotch. Good stuff. Um, he was- <laughs> You don't even like scotch. <laughs> I don't think I've ever had. I, I hate scotch. <laughs> it's so gross. I mean, I like it, but I'm I more of a I've vodka girl. I think it was one Mom. of those things that was really popular back in the day in your parents' liquor cabinet because it was cheap mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it just. Well, that's probably where he got it from. Of those, yeah, most he of probably, those movies. He probably drank whatever he could get his hands yeah. on. Yeah, yeah. and scotch that's what a lot of parents like had. So it's, you got whatever you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he was drinking before, during, and after school at 14. He referred to it as his medicine, usually. Um, although largely uncommunicative, uncommunicative in his freshman year, he was observed by staff to be a polite student who was highly intelligent. He was known to have been a tennis player and briefly played in bl- bland. He briefly played in bland band. When he reached puberty, he realized he was gay. He did not tell his parents in his early teens. He did not tell his parents in his early teens. He did engage in a brief relationship with another youth. They never had sex. By his later admission, he began sexually fantasizing about dominating and controlling over a completely submissive male partner. The fantasies became inter- intertwined with dissection. That's probably when you need to get looked at. <laughs> if you're having some homosexual tenu- t- tendencies, that's fine. Obviously, I'm gay. I'm going to be like, whatever. But when you start putting it with dissection... Dude. Well, I think that just had Tell to Tell someone. With, he had a fascination, too, with... There was something else mentioned in that interview. I think... I don't know. I think it may have not been long after the hernia surgery where he said something to his dad to the effect of, what would it feel like if... Or he said, his what belly would it feel button. like? Yeah, if they took out my belly button or removed my belly button, like, what would that feel like? He was a little I don't kid, remember too, yeah, and, asked it, and asked his dad that. I think it was after the surgery. It was like this His weird, dad said that. Yeah, his, his dad, dad said that. His dad said that in, in that interview I watched. And I like, like we said, I think something just physically completely changed mentally mm-hmm. and physically for him after that well, surgery. Even he became said- very obsessed with the inner workings of the human body and mm-hmm. and that all kind of 
somehow psychologically culminated with and sex him and not having that control over abandonment the issues and... out of control just mm-hmm. being homosexual and just to top everything. it all off was that right there everything realizing he was attracted to men was just yep. like that feather on the top of this and again like i said his dad and his family never would have been able to accept him ever but he knew gay. that and he knew that and that's yep. why he wouldn't say anything he was scared yep he was legitimately scared where um, else are you gonna turn Exactly. On one occasion, he was around 16 years old. He did re- conceive conceived a rape fantasy of a of rendering an unconscious particular male jogger he found attractive, making sexual use of his unconscious body to render the man unconscious. Dahmer concealed himself in the bushes on the route that he had noted the jogger took. He had the baseball bat in his hand and he laid in wait for him to walk by. But on that particular day, he did not pass. So, and he never actually attempted to do it again. Um, that's something that's interesting to me that he did want to do that. And then he just never, he just decided to never do it again. On that one day that the jogger did not go by, he was just like, okay, well, whatever. Maybe he was like, it was, maybe this is a sign that I can, I could control myself. That I could not given to my weaknesses because he right. knew it was a weakness oh yeah he knew he he knew that he didn't want to do it he didn't want to kill these people he had urges but he didn't think that anybody could fulfill them because his fit his family couldn't fulfill those needs for him to be there when he needed them um it sounds bad but i, I just feel i i honestly feel bad for him I do too. I, we all do. We all feel very bad for it's, him. That was my initial fascination with him as a serial killer. Was yeah. that I, you just you just had this innate sense of just empathy and sorrow for and him. And I'm so sorry this happened to you and that it had to be this way. Yep. Because I don't feel like Dahmer was a narcissist. I don't no, feel not like at he no. I don't feel like he wanted to be found out. I feel like he was just trying to satisfy a craving. Is all he was trying to do. I also do. think, too, that if he would have been raised more in a day, and a day and age now where even if his family wouldn't have supported him, he would have been able to get support at school or in yeah. other outside sources Absolutely. and being homosexual. So being able to be... He still may have had these impulses that could right. have been dealt with later on, mm-hmm. obviously, but first and foremost, the homosexuality and finding somewhere to be accepted and loved... Yeah. As a gay man and not feeling ostracized, I think dealing with that first and having that love yep. would have been one thing that really would have helped him later be able to deal with the other type of impulses that he had and get some type of psychiatric help. Mm-hmm. Because he could have found a submissive partner that would have done what he wanted right. him to do. Right. And it'd actually be a you're loving... You're not as tight. I'm not gay. I know right. I'm not a man. Right. I was going to say, you're not being gay. It's nothing to do <laughs> like, with it. You're not a man. I'm neither Damn one. It. Okay. Damn it. I can transition. No. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> I still have orifices. <laughs> we can figure this out. <laughs> we'll work on it. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll make it we'll work for each other. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so despite being regarded as a loner, he did become a class clown and did a lot of things for attention. He would bleat. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's not like a foghorn. I don't know. They <laughs> <laughs> went pterodactyl. You being a pterodactyl <laughs> La, during La, fucking La Llorona. La Llorona. Um, it was known as doing a Dahmer. 
was actually I they included that in the movie, which I yeah. thought was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. He acted like he had cerebral palsy and he would knock over items at school and local stores. I wouldn't find that funny, but that's just me. I'm sorry, I, the, the scene in the movie where he's at the grocery store, <laughs> that like, was hysterical. I laughed so hard. You and me both. Have you guys seen that video of the guy at work? I don't want to ruin it. He's just throwing stuff around on his desk. He's literally just throwing shit around like he's just done. I'm like, that was literally what was happening. That's he hysterical. was just throwing shit around. Like, I don't want to ruin it because it's so funny for the people that haven't seen it yet. It's it's pretty good. It's so it's pretty good. hilarious. And you're talking, this is the 70s. They didn't have Instagram. There yeah. wasn't much to do. So, yeah. <laughs> no social Laughing media. at this kid, acting like he's got cerebral palsy. That's entertainment. And throwing so, stuff in the store. Throwing stuff in the store, bleeding. Yeah. Throwing stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, by 77, his grades pretty much declined due to his alcohol abuse. Uh, his parents hired a private tutor, but had no success. <clears throat> Excuse me. That same year, Dahmer's parents did a, try to attend counseling sessions. And it was pretty unsuccessful. Um, They did decide to divorce. They fought so much in front of both of their sons. In 1978, Lionel moved out of the house. In May of 1978, Dahmer did graduate high school. A few weeks before a teacher noticed him, a few weeks before he graduated, a teacher noticed him sitting close to the school parking lot drinking several cans of beer. When the teacher threatened to report it, he informed the teacher he was experiencing a lot of problems at home and that the school's guidance counselor was aware of the problems. Joyce was awarded custody of David and vacated the family home, moving in with a family member of hers, leaving Dahmer alone by himself. But also... Again, abandoned, pretty abandoned. much. Abandoned. But, the, like, the dad had pretty much said, like, you can have the house, I'm going to move out. He moved out. And then evidently that wasn't a good good enough for mom, so mom just took David and left, like. Yep. Because his dad. And his dad didn't even know. No. Oh, that's right. His, yeah, his, his dad, dad got his, his mom was still right. Home. That is right. His dad said, look, his dad had checked out by now, yeah. like, was, I'm done, I'm going to leave you here, you're graduated, you're 18, you're fine, I'm out. Had no idea that she was leaving. Yeah. Joyce is like, oh, well, then I'm checked out. Yeah. She took David and left. So you're right. His dad had no, no idea, idea that he was, because his dad did end up coming back because his dad got remarried by this time <clears throat> to his current wife, Sherry. Mm-hmm. And, and was like, oh my God, you've been here by yourself. What the fuck? <laughs> like literally right. had no idea. Didn't he say like when he walked in, he had a dead look in his eye? Yep. Well, and he had been drinking, too, heavily. I mean, like, the house was trash. There were beer cans everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like His dad knew that stuff was going on. Yeah. He didn't know that he was by himself, but he knew there was a lot of shit going on in his life. Um, so here we are going to get into his first murder. Uh, he was 18 years old. It was in the summer of 1978, three weeks after his graduation. <clears throat> like we had said before, he was alone in the family home. On June 18th, he picked up a hitchhiker, Stephen Mark Hicks, who was four days shy of his 19th birthday. Dahmer lured him to his house on the pretext of the two men drinking together. Um, Side note, Hicks was hitchhiking to a rock concert, and um, so Dahmer was like, let's go back to my house and party some more before you leave. Um, After a couple hours of drinking, Hicks wanted to leave and go to the concert, and that's when Dahmer didn't want him to. Um... So, in response, he bludgeoned him with a 10-pound dumbbell. He struck him twice from behind when he was sitting in a chair. Once he fell unconscious, Dahmer strangled him to death with the bar of the dumbbell, stripped his clothes from his body before masturbating above the corpse. 
The next day, Dahmer dissected his body in the basement and buried the remains in a shallow grave in his backyard. Several weeks later, he unearthed the remains and um, part of the flesh from the bones, dissolved the flesh in acid before flushing the solution down the toilet. That's gross. I'm sorry. <laughs> but Can that's... I also just say that just because you mentioned that he strangled him with a dumbbell, um, like... Dahmer tried to resist his urges to do these things with other activities. So it was like exercising with dumbbells that he had and drinking alcohol and all this stuff. And like, none of it was good enough. Um, and that's what's sad. another reason that I feel so sad. For yeah. Him. Cause he was trying, he was trying to get, and he had nobody to go to for help. Nope. He had nobody, and he was doing everything he possibly could on his own to fight this shit. Yeah. And he just didn't have the resources, and he didn't have the mental or physical capabilities to, like, take it over himself. He was a child. Dom- Jeffrey Dahmer was always a child. And he was a pretty severe alcoholic yeah. from at a very young age. I mean, he became... He drank on a daily basis starting at the time that he was 16 years old. So that in itself, when your brain isn't fully developed until you're roughly about age 25 and you start introducing alcohol like that, you're you're ruining your brain function already. So you're Mm -hmm. taking someone that obviously already had, whether it be from medication that his mother took or genetic from her own mental disorders, you have someone that's already got mental issues latent homosexuality on top of being an alcoholic by age 16. Like, yeah, that's just a recipe for disaster on top of every other thing. The abandonment. I, I literally just, sorry. you cannot help but feel sorry for him. I literally just feel like if I would have known him at that age, I would have been the person that would have oh, been like, yeah. can I, can we talk? Exactly. Like, cause I feel like, you can tell me whatever the fuck you want to tell me and I'm going to sit here and I'm going to listen. It was such a different time. Like my high school had gay support groups and peer support groups. Like he would, if it just would have, I just feel like if he would have been born in a different time and had Mm -hmm. outside support, it just would have been different. He's one of those people that I feel like had deep, deep down. He had a good soul. Yeah. He was just steered wrong because of neglect and oh my God, this scared me. Tail Thank touch. you, BB. <laughs> BB's like me too. Um, everything that just conditioned him to what he was, and it, that's what really makes me sad. Is because I feel like if he would have just had that one person that cared, yeah, maybe things could have been different. Um, but anyway, he he did crush his bones with a sledgehammer and then scattered them in the woods behind his home. Six weeks after the murder of Stephen Hicks, his father and fiance did return to his home and they discovered him. That's when they discovered him living alone. That August, he did enroll at OSU. Mm-hmm. We're close to there, but meh. <laughs> uh, hope he did want to major in business. His sole term at OSU was completely unproductive because of his alcohol abuse. He received failing grades in anthropology, classical civilizations, and administrative science. Actually, very surprised he wasn't into biology. I'm surprised he didn't, like, go into biology with that. Um, the only course he was actually successful in was successful in was riflery. His overall GPA, 0. .45 out of 4. I had a 2.3 in high school. I thought mine was bad. <laughs> <laughs> That's a C. It's passing. Yeah. C's get degrees, y'all. 
That's like, whoo, point college, four, five. I was, college, I was almost a 4.0, so whoo, whoo. Oh, yeah. I was college, really, is, college is all that matters. I was opposite. Yeah. I was like 4.0 in high school. I was 4.0 in high school. I went to college, oh, no, I was and it's like opposite. three point. <laughs> It, it yeah, but I let's mean, talk about point point zero point four five. Out well, of I mean, four. he literally just just <laughs> he just, just didn't give a shit. He yeah, just he didn't. didn't care. I think he went to college because his dad was like, "Okay, you got to get the fuck out of the house and do something." Because his dad, he, paid he literally for was only in three months. He yeah. paid his dad paid up until the second it? year, uh, two years, and two he was years. in it for three months. Yep, he was done, and he was like, "Nah." Um, so in January of seventy nine. He enlisted in the U.S. Army where he was trained as a medical specialist in uh, San Antonio, Texas. July 13th, 1979, he was stationed in West Germany where he um, was a combat medic in the 2nd Battalion 68th Armored Regiment. I'm sorry, it's hard for me to read this. In the 8th Infantry Division. He was an average soldier. Two soldiers did attest to having been raped by him while in the Army. One even said it was over a 17-month period. Well, the other said Dahmer drugged and raped him inside an armored prison. Uh, due to alcohol abuse, his performance deteriorated, and in March 1981, he was discharged from the Army, and he did receive an honorable discharge because they thought that what he what he was doing wasn't going to carry over like and do anything wrong in his normal life. But I don't think they knew about the rapes at that point. Well, yeah, they went unreported. Yeah. The guys didn't report them. There was also coincidentally, and they were stationed in Baumholder, West Germany, and there were coincidentally five unsolved murders, five unsolved murders of men that were mutilated during the time that Dahmer was there. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. I got a lot of information. And they were like German? Like the people were German, or yeah. They were, like, were they yeah. civilians? So they, were, they were German citizens. Oh, oh, they, oh. They probably yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So they were stationed in Germany, mm. and, and they, they were German citizens. They were men. They were their bodies were mutilated, mm-hmm. and it was all within that time frame that Donner was stationed there. Yeah. So I wonder if they would have asked him about that if he would have. Honestly, they might not have even known. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, because you have if, Americans and then you have Germans and, like, there's, like, Germans are going to try to investigate it, but they're not going to go to the Americans and be like, hey, do you right. know about these murders? <laughs> right. And especially right. if they were soldiers, you yeah. know, yeah. it's yeah. almost like he picked the perfect, if if it was him, it's like he picked the the perfect victims that never would have been investigated. Yeah. He was more intelligent people. than I think people think. Yeah. He was Just a smart Just because he got dude. a 0.45. He, at that point in time, like, he was already done with school. He didn't want to continue his education. He was just, he didn't want to go to school. Like, he knew that that was not the path he wanted to take. And it was like his dad wanted him to get out of the house and do something with his life. So he said, go to college. Yeah. Got him into college. It's not what he wanted, so it didn't work. So, I mean... So, yeah, really about the only other thing you did around that time was going to the Army. Yeah. yeah. At that age. There was really nothing else for him to totally do. totally what he figured all he had yeah. at that point. Um, on March 24th, 1981, Dahmer was sent to Fort Jackson, South Carolina, for debriefing, and he was provided with a plane ticket to travel anywhere he wanted to go in the country. He later told police that he felt like he couldn't go home and he faced his father, so he actually went to Miami, Florida. In an attempt to live on his own and in his own means, he did find employment... 
at a um, deli and rented a room in a nearby motel. He spent most of his salary on alcohol and eventually did get evicted from the motel for non-payment. So he decided to live on the beach and continue working so he could pay for alcohol until calling his father to come back home in September later that year. And that was in Ohio at that point. Um, so after his return to Ohio, Delmer- oh, sorry, I did want to make another quick, yeah, no, there were these like really weird coincidental things that happened to him. This was just another one. This actually didn't involve him, but, um, during the time that he was in Florida, um, cause he was never, he never claimed the murder. He never was questioned about it, but it was just kind of strange. It happened around the same time. The, uh, Adam Walsh, Walsh murder that a lot of people were probably familiar with mm-hmm. um because his dad went on to host the show uh, america's most wanted and that was the little boy that disappeared when he was shopping with his mom and his decapitated head was later found um i think actually no i'm sorry at one point Dahmer was questioned in that because even at the time of the murder it went unsolved for years mm-hmm. um and then i think they ended up finding the head they found the body which they said had been sexually mutilated, which I think is why it went back to Dahmer because they found the head, but it actually wasn't solved until the two thousands when there was a deathbed confession by a serial killer named Otis tool. And he would probably be a, an interesting one to go over. He did, he committed murders with Henry Lee, Henry Lee Lucas. Mm -hmm. They were gay lovers. They committed a series of horrific murders together. Mm, Yep. And, Otis Toll was later linked back to the murders, and then after he died, he it was just unequivocally said in the state of Florida that Otis Toll did murder Adam Walsh, and they finally closed the case. But it was really strange because it happened. It happened around the exact same time that Dahmer was there, and then later they questioned Dahmer about the murder. And I feel so like at that point, if he things. did it, he would have said it because he was pretty open with them. Oh he was yeah, like, once he was yeah. caught, he was like, "Yeah, I did it." I did it. it and is. again, he didn't do any of these murders of people that he hated. He no. actually didn't hate any he of his victims. He loved them and wanted to keep them, again, abandonment issues. So, yeah, it was just really weird how all of these coincidental things, though, happened in places like the murders yeah. in Germany, the little boy being decapitated and sexually assaulted in Florida during the time he was there. Right. It was just really strange. And that was a really famous case. I know a lot of people are familiar with that I remember with, hearing about that myself. That yeah. yeah. When he was in Florida, too, I watched two, like, documentary kind of things. And one said that, like, once he had lived on the beach, he called his dad... And asked him to, like, send him money. And he was like, no, you need to come home. Yep. And then there was another one that said that he actually called his dad and said, hey, can I come home? So, like, it's like, did dad make him come home? Or did he was just like, hey, I need money because I'm living on a beach. So, I don't don't know which one is the actual. His dad could have convinced him, though. Like, when he called and he was like, I need money, his dad could have been like, you know, it'd be better if you just came home. And he talked him into doing it. Right. I was just wondering whether his, like, he said, dad, can I come home or dad, I need money. I don't know which one he did. And right. his dad's like, I'm not sending you any more money. Right. Yeah, yeah, like, no. I know what like, you're going to spend it on. Nice so. Yeah, I know you're an college. Right? I think <laughs> two years of your college, you flunked out of after three months. Yeah. Like, no, I'm not sending you any more money for alcohol. Nope. Um, so after his return to Ohio, he did initially reside with his father and stepmother. But after two weeks, he was arrested for drunk and disorderly conduct. He was fined $60 and given a 10-day jail sentence. 
Um, after this, his st- father's stepmother sent him to live with his grandmother in December of 1981 in Alice, Wisconsin, West Alice, Wisconsin. His grandmother was the only family member he ever displayed any affection for. Initially, living initially the living agreements were great. They uh, went to church. He went to church with her. He did chores. He sought work. He abided by most of the house rules, although he did continue to drink and smoke. In 1982, he found employment as a phlebotomist in a Milwaukee blood plasma center. Imagine that! <laughs> he actually, in the time that he worked there, stole a vial of blood and drank it. That not surprised me. That was that one of the not first time mm, that iron. he had... Mm, <laughs> salty. Mm. <laughs> so good. Salty iron. Tastes like a penny. <laughs> I mean, you're kind of right. Yeah, that's what I've heard. Blood. It's <coughs> got like a coppery taste It does. To it. I've always like... Smelled it too. I feel like it tastes the way it smells. Is did, what you, I feel did, like. did you draw blood? Did you have to draw blood? Oh yeah, I do. Blood. Yeah, 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 yeah. I did too. So, I mean, yeah. like even you, when like, like I hurt, smell it you do smell it. Even it when I hurt my finger and I, you know, I like the my blood off my like finger, it tastes like because that. I smell it, and I'm like, no, it's got to. No, it really smell. does, it does. smell. You, yeah, you it can does. smell blood. Yeah, I drew blood for quite a while, and it does have a smell to it. Yeah. Um, so he did hold that job for 10 months until he was laid off. He was unemployed for two years and then lived on his grandmother's money. Right before losing that job, he was arrested for indecent exposure on August 7th of 82 at Wisconsin State Park. He exposed himself around 25 women and children. He was fi- <laughs> He was fined $50. You didn't see what she did, did you? <clears throat> Guys, you can't see what she did. She made a uh, masturbating sign. Jerk mo- jer- jer- in motion reference. Uh, he was fined $50 plus court costs. In January of 1985, Dahmer was hired as a mixer at the Milwaukee Ambrosia Chocolate Factory, where he worked 11 to 7, six nights a week with Saturday evenings off. He was propositioned by another man at the library with a note for offering to perform fellation, a.k.a. blowjob, he did not respond to the proposition, but it did stir the fantasies of control and dominance in his mind as a teenager. He began to frequent gay bars, bookstores, and bathhouses. This motherfucker sending him a letter got him all going again. Why didn't he just accept it? Like, why, <laughs> why weren't you just like, oh my god, yes. Well, I mean, if he wanted to be do- like the dominant one. And That's like, true, actually, hey, yeah. I will do, like, I'm okay with this. Why wouldn't you just jump on that? Because then you could literally just take his head and do what the fuck you want. With Opportunity it. right there. Yeah. Just saying. Just just popped into We're my just mind. <laughs> he did steal a mannequin from a store, which he used for sexual stimulation, until his grandmother found it. He started to frequent the bathhouses by 1985. Grandma was like, that man. <laughs> get the fuck out of here. So hashtag grandma be knowing. Yeah, grandma be knowing. <laughs> So when I was, this is going to sound really odd, young, when I was younger, I had one of those like life-size dolls. Oh my God. Remember the life-size Barbies? Yeah. That's, I had that's one. what I had. Yeah, I had one Dude, when that's I was what I had. So I would, I would get her naked and I would just look at her and be like, my body's not like that. And like had sexual like images of like what I would look like if I was like that. So I understand where Dahmer's coming from. Yeah, but you're not gay either. Well, it was a female body. Like, it was a <laughs> female doll. I'm not gay, but I mean. I used to always wonder why they didn't have nipples. 
Yeah, that she did not. That bothered not me. That weirded either. me out so much. She was just the flat. vagina thing was very weird, but the no nipples for some reason just she had really boobs, but no nipples. Me out. I'm like, mm. yeah, really, baby. That's my receipt. <laughs> the cat. Sorry, guys. The cat found a receipt and decided. Yeah, to, usually um... this we're recording at my place, but we're recording at Caspa's place, and there's a kitty cat that's been causing all kinds of distractions. She's great, guys. Her name is I'll, BB. I'll post a picture of her so you can see her. Yeah, we she love, needs to be shared. We love the beeps. <laughs> the beeps. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so he did start to frequent the bathhouses by 85. He described being frustrated by his sexual partners moving during the act. He said, I trained myself to view people as objects of pleasure instead of them actually being people. By June 1986, he administered, he administered sleeping pills to his partners. He gave them liquor laced sedatives and then raped their unconscious body. For about 12, he did this 12 times. Uh, there were 12 instances at the bathhouse. After that, he was revoked. His membership was revoked. And then he started using hotel rooms to continue what he was doing. He then read a report in a newspaper regarding the death of an 18-year-old male. He conceived the idea of stealing the body and taking it home. He said he actually attempted to dig up the coffin from the ground, but found the soil too hard, so he abandoned it. In August of 1986, he was arrested for masturbating in front of two 12-year-old boys close to a river. He first admitted the offense, but after being charged with indecent exposure, said it was just urinating, not knowing that he was the boys were looking. The sentence was then changed to disorderly conduct, and on March 10th of 1987, he was sentenced to one year probation and had to undergo counseling. That's what I don't under I don't understand that. Like how could you be in a courtroom and they literally say you have been cited with indecent exposure in front of two young boys and he's like, oh, yeah, I did it. And then when he's charged with he's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> just kidding. I was just urinating. They're like, okay, yeah, you totally didn't plead guilty. Like, oh, my bad. My bad. There were so <laughs> many things that were just passed on with him. And yeah. again, like. He knew, in all of these instances, whether or not he had a mental disorder, he knew what he was doing. Oh, yeah. He was, yeah, he, he was very he was smart. Fully aware. He was very smart. He was fully aware. Yeah. He knew right from wrong. Yeah. He knew exactly what he was doing. <laughs> Unless he was like, in a blackout days from alcohol. That's true, too. I mean, yeah. because he drank a, a lot. Well, it's just like one of the murders that you're going to get into. He woke up, didn't know what happened. Yeah. Yeah. not remember any of it. Yeah. And that, ugh. And it, you, you do, you wonder, like, was that in a blackout state mm-hmm. at that point? Um, but then again, he still said he pleaded guilty. They have to tell you the charge before you plead right, guilty. exactly. And he had to have listened to it and said, yes, I did it. And then once they're like, oh, this is your consequence, he's like, no, 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 no. I didn't know they were looking. I was urinating. Because he found out he knew, like, once he find out what was going to happen to him, yeah. it's like, oh, just, yeah. He's like, not, oh, wait, never mind. No, that's yeah, not what actually <laughs> happened. Didn't do that. Didn't do that. Don't understand. Um, so the in November, on, on specifically on November 20th of 1987. Um, yeah, this was, this was a really interesting one. Uh, Dahmer picked up 25 year old white male, Stephen Tormey at Steve a gay, Steve. at a gay, Yep. She pointed out her first, Steve his Steve. first two victims were Stevens. Oh wow. They were Stevens. Yes. Yeah. Jeez. It didn't continue. Wonder if like made that connection. No. <laughs> well, and it also didn't continue. The reason why, and I didn't just do that because it was in my notes, but the reason why I pointed out that he was white is because 
The he first Stephen and the second Stephen were Both. white, but by the time he had moved into his later apartment, yeah. he just happened to live in an area that was predominantly black and yeah. Asian. Mm-hmm. So it was just kind of like, but he didn't care like. And race color. didn't matter no, either. Race did not matter to right. him. It was like he had a certain body type, a certain height. Like this is the body. He was that all he about wanted. the face too. Yeah, he wanted a good looking man, but he was like, he they have to look this certain way. And as long as they have that, I don't care what age they are, what color they are, what religion they are, I'm going to fuck that and kill them. Yeah, that's it. That's it. He was In an, short. He was an equal yeah. opportunist. Uh, you know. I so, should have said kill him and fuck that. Kill him. <laughs> right, because it was kind of. Uh, the other way yeah. around. <laughs> a little backwards. Um, he met Steven at a gay bar called Club 219. Um, they went back to the Ambassador Hotel that he frequented quite a bit. Um, now, at this time, he was still living with his grandma, but obviously he wasn't bringing men back to grandma's house um, to do all this. He got drunk and then passed out. When he woke up the next morning, he saw that Stephen Tormey was dead. Blood was coming out of his mouth. His body was bruised and, and bloodied. Uh, Dahmer had absolutely no did not remember anything from the previous night's events. Like, did not remember doing anything to this guy, had no memory of it whatsoever. Um, he bought a suitcase. He squeezed his corpse into it. He actually took, and that's what I think is funny, didn't do any of the stuff at Grandma's house until after the dead body, took the dead body back to Grandma's house, um, <laughs> where in the basement he had sex with the corpse, um, masturbated over it, and then started to slice the flesh off of the body um he started to dismember the remains put them in plastic bags to throw them away um the dismember the whole dismemberment actually took him approximately two hours um he also after removing the flesh from the bones uh completely smashed the bones into splinters with a sledgehammer to get rid of the remains because they were never never found um he did keep the head, boiled off the flesh, bleached the skull, but did not keep this skull. He crushed it and pulverized it, similar to what he did to the other Stephen. Um, he kept, oh wait, okay, sorry. Going on to January of 88, Dahmer killed his next victim. Uh, it was James Dockstetter. He was a 14-year-old boy that was standing outside of Club 219 that he had invited back to his grandmother's house um, to pose nude for pictures. He was going to pay him money to take pictures, Polaroid pictures of him and to have a drink. Um, he put sleeping pills in the drink, gave it to the boy. Um, and then when the boy fell asleep, he strangled him to death, raped the corpse, dismembered it. Um, again, broke the bones with the sledgehammer. Uh, he threw the remains in the trash, uh, kept the skull, bleached it, and then smashed it up later. See, this is another thing that I'm kind of curious about. How do they know the name of every single victim if they do not have remains? He probably told them. Did he have a notebook? He could have. Now, some of them he did did he just know the name? He he remembered names, and he did take pictures of... Oh, and, like, wrote their names Of the dead bodies and wrote wrote it on the Polaroids. Because they found... The pictures oh, hundreds and hundreds. That's what he said. He said they walked in, they found the pictures and said cuff him. Hundreds so the, the of police Polaroid found pictures. The pictures. Yeah. Hundreds of Polaroid pictures. Actually on murderopedia.org, 
I mean, this is of course like an SFW, don't look this up at work, not appropriate whatsoever, <laughs> but um, there are some pictures crime scene photos yeah um, I've one seen of the them, crime scene one of photos. them in particular uh, I for some reason the one to me that was the most disturbing is the picture of the inside of his freezer Fri- with the, the, yeah, the head with the head and the, and the heart and all that because yep. you can actually see the face yeah. like even though it's in a bag you can see I'm like I don't know why that is so unsettling like out of yeah, all of it's this real. like why that's the one that's because it's not from a movie that's not no, a prop it's real it's, it's not real. fake yeah. that is a real human and all fucking the pictures head. of him like distorted positions that he put them in yeah like some of them were cut open like some of them puppets, were yeah like mm-hmm. marionette puppets yeah again there was no they were objects he just wanted to keep these people so that they wouldn't leave, leave him. him he just wanted to keep them yeah. with him like dolls it's almost. sad it's very sad um so he in march of again 1988 same year um, he meets uh, Richard Guerrero, who was 25 years old, again, outside of this gay club that he frequented, Club 219. Took him back to his grandmother's house, where they uh, both performed oral sex on each other. He uh, drugged him, again, strangled him, raped the corpse, dismembered the body, threw it away, pulverized the skull. Um, and then on April 23rd of 1988, uh, it was reported Uh, to police by Ronald Flowers that Dahmer had invited him back to his grandmother's house and uh, gave him drugged coffee. Um, He actually didn't kill Ronald, uh, really, for whatever reason. Uh, Oh, no, I'm sorry. He got away. I had to look at my notes here for a second. No, when he took him back to his grandmother's house and he drugged him, he was starting to pass out and... Dahmer, I guess, didn't know his grandma but, was home, and his grandma yelled one. out and said, "Hey, Jeffrey, I need you." And then that's when Jeffrey like freaked out because his grandma was home, so he grabbed the guy and drove him to the hospital. Well, I thought this one was the one that what he had car trouble at two nineteen, and Dahmer said that he could go get the car from his grandma's house and jump his car. Because in the trial, he was on the stand, right? This is the same one? The Ronald Flowers guy? I don't remember names. Maybe I it like was. I don't remember names. I, didn't keep I know Hicks names. and I know Dahmer. I know. I remember there, there, because the guy was on the stand that got away, and he was at 219, his friends had left, he went to his car. His car wouldn't start. Dahmer said that he could go back to his grandma's house, get the keys to the car, drive him back, and jumpstart his car. So he said, yeah, that's fine. Took a taxi to his grandma's house. And then when they got there, he was like, oh, you can come in. And he's like, no, no, I'm okay. I'll wait out here. And he was like, it's only going to be a minute. Come on in. When he went inside, gave him coffee that was drugged. And he said that when Dahmer looked at him, he started having a different face. Like, his face had changed. Um, oh, wow. In, like, an, this like is, an urgency. She's 100% right. Everything you're saying is right. Yeah. He had, like, this, this like, his face had changed. Like, he was kind of like, I need to drink, hurry up and drink this coffee and get out of here. So he started chugging the coffee. And then he started feeling dizzy and all that. And then he, he later passed out. And then, um, 
he woke up in the hospital. Oh, hell yeah. And okay. he was I like, I not remember. Yeah, I did he, not. I've literally watched the interview this morning. No, that's awesome. Yeah. No, so, thank you. Because I didn't get, Murderpedia didn't go that in yeah. depth to him, yeah. actually how he met him. It just said that his grandma, when he did actually initially come into the house, like you said, after like he was kind of hesitant because of the car thing. Yeah. He's like, no, just come on in. Yeah. And then he did give him the coffee and drugged him. And he like drank it really fast right. because he wanted to get out of there. And then he said he felt really dizzy, right. passed out. And when he woke up, he was in the hospital. When when he woke up in the hospital, his clothes were inside out. He was missing a whole bunch of money and like a bracelet and like all this other well, stuff. Well, because when he was passed out, Dahmer's grandma called for him. Okay. And then that's when he decided not to kill him. See, that's not he the interview because he was passed out. He freaked out. <laughs> Because okay, so they inter- they must have interviewed the guy then. Yes, they interviewed he Ronald Flowers yeah, he was because he was on trial. the stand. Yes. So he's he yeah. took the stand during Dahmer's trial yep. and said all of this stuff yep. happened. Yeah. Okay. It was like the okay. actual victim was saying this is what happened. Okay. Because what I got from Wikipedia too was that Dahmer heard his grandma yell for him, freaked out and drove him to the hospital. You know, threw his clothes on real quick, which would make sense why he woke up in the hospital and was yeah. everything was inside out and disoriented and drove the guy to the hospital because he freaked out and didn't want to get caught. Yeah. So, oh my god, that is fucked up. Yeah, I did not know that. That's good. Thank Have you, you watched the trial? There. No. Watch the trial. It I'd goes spend, it goes over I, every single murder. I didn't watch the trial. I watched the um the uh after he was convicted, the the one the sentencing the sentencing oh, yeah. hearing mm-hmm. where the family got to speak and then there's the one woman that flipped the Ooh, fuck out. Yeah, she yeah. like, I hate you, Jeffrey. Like, she's about to she's like, fuck you motherfucker. him up. She was coming And that at bitch him. had a shirt that said 100% black on it. She was not joking. She, she was going to fuck him up. Like, he was going to let her because he said he said she deserved Oh, uh, Well, he didn't. He at that point, that. he wanted to die. I don't think he really valued his life much at no. all. I don't, I don't think, think he valued he... his life after he killed the first one. Yeah. And, and once he was like, this isn't an urge that I can control, he was like... He felt like he was I'm... a monster. Yeah, like... he knew he was. And he was like, I don't know what to do anymore. Like, I'm just done. Yeah. I just... Maybe, maybe though, suicide, for whatever reason, was just off the table. I don't know if he ever tried to commit suicide. Maybe he or was maybe trying to drink so much that he... Drink himself to death. Yeah, maybe that's what there he was trying go. to do. Yeah. Um, by this time, he moved out of his grandmother's house and moved into an apartment in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, at 808 North 24th Street. Um, this, this was a really interesting case here, because this will actually go back to a later uh, murder that he... Um, committed. There was a Loatian boy named Somsack sent the newsome phone. I, every time I hear that time, time say that, I was like, uh, what are they saying? Somsack sent the newsome phone. Took me a long time to learn that. Um, he was 13 years old and uh, Dahmer approached him, offered him 50 bucks to come back to his house to pose for pictures. This was on September 26th of 1988. Dahmer was 28 years old at the time. Um, he was actually a neighbor that lived nearby. Uh, Dahmer was able to convince the boy once he got him inside his apartment to partially disrobe. He started to take Polaroid pictures of him and kiss his stomach and his penis. He was on the stand too, I think. The little boy was, yeah. Yeah. He um, gave the little boy uh, Irish cream liqueur that he had placed the crushed sleeping pills in. Um the little boy actually did not fall asleep. He kept going like in and out of consciousness. 
And uh, I think eventually what happened was, I'm trying to see, I don't know if he drove the boy home or eventually let him go. I think he let him go. Yeah, he did eventually let him go. Um, He was actually later arrested for that. I'm sorry, I'm going back and forth between my notes, guys. It's like all on my phone right now. Um, He was later arrested for that, and he was initially charged with exploitation of a child and second-degree assault. Um, he was actually arrested at the Ambrosia Chocolate uh, Company that he was working at at the time. Um, he at first pled not guilty at the preliminary hearing, and he was freed on $2,500 cash bail. And his trial was later set for May of 1989. Um, he ended up changing his plea to guilty later and he was convicted of second degree sexual assault and immoral enticement of a child. Uh, During that time, he left that apartment and ended up moving back in with his grandmother. Um, After he was found guilty and living with his grandmother in between that time, he committed another murder where he killed a 24 year old male, male named Anthony Sears. Um, he met him at another gay bar that was called Le Cage à Follet. That's like the best fucking French you're going to get out of me. Um, he offered Sears Cage of money. what now? <laughs> I think it's actually French for bird cage. Because there's a movie that was made. So it's yeah. actually French for bird. So we'll just say fucking bird cage. I'll, oh, I'll, I should have done that in the first place. Trying to it's called bird cage. French. Yeah. <laughs> um, he offered Sears money again to be photographed. That was kind of his MO was, hey, I'll give you money if you let me take pictures of you. And they were like, oh, sure, fine. So um, he goes back to his grandmother's house. Um, where they actually start to have sex because Sears was gay and Dahmer gave Sears the drink laced again with the sleep sleeping pills. Once um, Sears passed out, Dahmer strangled him, had sex with the corpse, dismembered his body after decapitating the corpse. This is actually when he kept the skull. Cause before, as we said, like he dismembered the bodies, got rid of everything, pulverized the skulls, got rid of them. But, um, He actually, this was one of the first victims where he was really fascinated with Anthony's body. Like, he was very attracted to him. Like, very physically. Like, to his entire body, to his face. So, um, kept the skull, boiled the head, removed the skin, ended up painting the skull, and uh, kept the skull and his penis and preserved it in acetone. Um, now, I believe that this was the skull that his grandmother and his dad almost found that they in mentioned the later in an in interview. Yeah. So his grandmother knew, his grandmother and his father both knew that he was looking at porn. So when his grandmother knew about the, the box, box? Mm-hmm. yeah, when his grandmother knew yep. about the box, his dad had come to visit and his dad told him, I want you to get rid of this box. Yeah. And he looked at his dad and he so goes, no. dad. Like, no, I don't want to get rid Please just let me keep, what do you say? Like, let me just keep one square foot of something for myself. Because yeah. he, he felt also, like he, he got very him, defensive. He didn't very want him to defensive. get rid of it. He wanted him to open it. Right. Wasn't it? Hmm? 
Was this in the movie My Friend Dahmer? No, 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 because no, no, okay. this was after. Okay. This was after, after Murders, because of the way okay. that movie ended. I feel like not, I, like, right. watched this, like, like you watched like, it I, actually like, happen. Yeah, maybe it's just Probably because you watched an interview he where he in... described it in full. Like, he oh. literally you know did. Because that was said, one of the full... He said his dad wanted to see what was in the box, that and was he one wouldn't the... let him see yeah, it. Yeah, that was one of the first... And it was right in front of his grandmother. I watched. Me too. And I was like... Because I was fascinated by this. The ending just blew my mind. And I was like, I love this man. <laughs> he kept telling us... Because his grandmother was standing there and he kept telling his dad, look, what's in there is what you think it is. Because again, his dad had found porn before. But yeah. he's like, I don't want to freak grandma out. Can yeah. you just can you just let me open it later? Like, yes. I'll open it in the morning. I'll open it in the morning. And he said that. And he put it down in the basement. And he kept telling him, like, no, open it. And he's like, dad, look. I will open it in the morning. I will show you what's in there and I will get rid of it. I promise. Just please let's not do this right now. Yeah, because he was going to get rid of it. Mm -hmm. Right. Or hide it or. So he hid it because he actually didn't get rid of the skull and the penis. He kept it. Mm -hmm. He hid it and put porn in the box. Yeah. And then the next morning showed it to his dad. And but his dad said like. I don't know why I didn't open it myself. Like it was locked, but he's like, I don't know what made me believe him and why I didn't open it. Cause yeah. honestly, I don't know what I would have done if I would have opened it and found what was in there. Yeah. In that the was interview, an orphan black move. It Donnie like, and Allison. Right. <laughs> the interview when he, like they had finished up everything and they were like escorting him back to his cell. And like, I can still picture like his face. He's just like walking and he turns and he goes, looks at the bot, the metal box that they kept the microphone in. Yes. And he said, that looks identical to the box that I kept the skull in. That was and the then box. turned like the and yep. walked away. Yep. And yep. I just like, my mind was just like, he has like nothing. There was no feeling, no emotion. It he was, was just like, okay, that looks like, like the box no. I kept it in. Looks like the box I kept the head in. And he said it so like plain as day. No problem. That looks like the box that I kept the skull in. Very matter of Out the door. And, and they're like, just standing there like. Where, like where did this come from? <laughs> I went, when I saw that I was like he he is very disturbed. From what he's done. Like he he has he this was. memory and he he knows everything. Like he's crazy, but he's a level of crazy that mm-hmm. he understood what he was doing. Mm-hmm. It was very methodical. And he he I, he gave into it because he knew that everything he was trying to do to cover it up just wasn't working. Nope. So he's like, Well, I ain't got no other choice. Well, and then after a while being an alcoholic, it got sloppy. You can't keep up with it all the time when you're drunk constantly might as well be sober and until. you're like yeah there you go remember it do it, with, do it with a sober mind remember it so you won't fuck up um so, <laughs> so um he later was found uh oh okay so after there we're still going into the the loatian boy somsack um he went to court after the murder of anthony sears on may 24th of 89 for his sentencing um, he was sentenced to five years probation and one year at a work camp. He ended up being paroled after 10 months from the work camp after writing a letter of leniency. Um, once he was paroled, he was still required to register as a sex offender and prohibited to have any contact with children. Um, 
he ended up moving May of 14th of 1990 to the infamous apartment at 924 25th Street, apartment 213. The reason why this is so infamous is this is pretty much where the rest of all of his murders took place. This was kind of like the murder dungeon My where everything number pretty much went down. Of course it Oh, did. Lord. <laughs> Of course it did. I should have kept the phone number. Of course it did. No, she would have been like, excuse me, I need to keep this phone number. I need to keep 213. Why? Um, Do you really want me to go into this? (laughs) I don't think you actually. I can go into this. Do you like really want me to go into this? It was an Indiana area code, so I kind of had to get rid of it when I moved. Damn. Oh, shit. Damn. Um, So then, here we go. This pretty much, uh, and I'm... I, I'm not going to go, I kind of talked about this before, that I'm not going to go into like a whole lot of bloody detail with all of these murders because after this point, Dahmer was sort of a rinse, lather, repeat kind of guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, pretty much his MO was like the 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 same thing. Let's Drug them, strangle them, take cool. pictures, rape the body, dismember, keep the skull, you know, kind of pretty much did the same thing to everybody. Um June 1990, he meets Edward Smith, who was 28 years old, at the Phoenix Bar. They go back to his apartment to engage in sex, uh, where he, Dahmer, drugged him, strangled him, murdered him. This would have been the seventh murder by this time. Um, He, actually, no, I'm sorry, prior to Edward. I apologize. There's too many Smiths. There was actually an Edward Smith and a Raymond Smith. No relation. I apologize. So I got my Smith Smiths mixed up. Smithy. So it was May 1990. And then May 14th, 1990, he moves into the apartment. Literally a week later, he murdered Raymond Smith. Raymond Smith went by the nickname Ricky Lee Beeks. Meets him again at the 219 Club. He was the sixth victim at this time. Um, Drugged him, murdered him, dismembered the body, kept the skull. Then in June of 1990, he meets Edward Smith at another gay bar, uh, goes back to the apartment, same thing, drugged him, strangled him, murdered him, kept the skull, seventh murder. Now between um, those two, he did on May 27th try to lure a man, a, a man young, <laughs> a man young, <laughs> a man young, a young man to his Never apartment, but he man. actually drank the lace. That's right. He did. The, he whoops. drank it instead of the guy and drugged himself. And drugged dumb, himself. Dumb. Yeah. Like, Good job. Good job on that one there, Donna. Um, <laughs> the man knew and said, I'm going to switch these drinks. September 3rd of 1990, um, he meets Ernest Miller, 24 years old. He becomes the eighth victim. Um, he actually keeps the entire skeleton as a souvenir. Um, now, with Edward's body, instead of, usually what he would do is he would bleach the skeletons, but he instead instead of putting acid and bleach on it, he tried to put it in the freezer to retain the moisture. Um, it didn't work uh, ended up completely destroying it months later. He also destroyed the skull. He didn't keep this skull this time because he tried to dry it in the oven and the skull exploded. So uh, don't, put it, don't put it in an oven to dry it, guys, because it will explode. <laughs> Advice from don't fuck just the so, Just so you don't put the head in the don't, oven. Don't put the skull in the oven, guys. Like, it's not it's not going to work. The more you know. <laughs> That's terrible. Um, and then, uh, oh, the other thing with Ernest Miller, too, is, okay, so normally, uh, like we mentioned with the drugs, he would drug all these guys with sleeping pills. He actually did not have enough sleeping pills to drug Edward. He ended up slitting his throat to initially kill him because he didn't pass out. They didn't have enough sleeping pills to cause him to pass out, so he slit his throat. 
Um, David Thomas is the next victim. He was 24 years old. This was September 24th of 1990. Um, he met him at a mall, brought him back to his home, promised of taking photographs to pay him, uh, drugged him, took pictures of the body, strangled him, dismembered the body, again, kept the skull. Um, 17-year-old Curtis Slaughter, this would be the next victim, on February 18th of 1991, um, lured him back to his home and uh, they actually did engage in oral sex together. He strangled him, uh, dismembered the body, kept the skull, the hands, and the genitals, and again, took nude photos of the body. Um, on April 7th of 1991, he meets 19-year-old Errol Lindsay. Um, not only did he drug Errol with sleeping pills, he actually, this was one of the first times, and he would talk about this in interviews, he tried to come up with a way to be able to keep the bodies without actually killing them. So he wanted to almost have them as like lifeless zombies. So this is when he started the process of drilling a hole. Basically, he was going to lobotomize them is what he was going to do. So he would drill a hole into their skull, like actually more specifically into the frontal cortex. And then he would pour hydrochloric acid in there. So he was kind of trying to render them into almost like a zombie-like state because at this point, he really didn't like the idea of murdering the bodies or even trying to keep the bodies mm -hmm. after a while. Um, obviously, this didn't work. Errol started to kind of come to and he was really confused on what was going on. So Dahmer um, strangled him and uh, flipped the stress. Flipped the stress. Good night. Stripped the flesh. I don't know how I did that. Ripped the, the stress ripped away. The ripped the stress and flipped the almost did it again. <laughs> Wizards of Waverly Place. Oh my god, this is terrible. It's okay. I'm over here saying Waverly Place. So, so he uh yep, and again keeps the skull, as always. Um he meets a man named Tony Hughes after this, who was deaf and mute that passed uh, Dahmer a note. Now, they routinely, for some time, would engage in drinks, um, pornography, casually have sex with each other. Um, almost as kind of not really like a boyfriend, but just kind of like a friends with benefits. But again, like Dahmer could not fight those urges. He murders Hughes, dismembers the body, and again, keeps the skull. Um, two days later, on May 26, 1991, uh, Dahmer finds 14-year-old Connor Axe sent the Newsom phone. Now, this is the brother of Somsack sent the Newsom phone. This is the little boy that he was originally on parole for, for child endangerment because he drugged him and tried to take him back to his home and this ended is up the letting him go. Uh, yeah. I got so, a comment on this one. Why don't you tell the story? Yeah, this yeah, one. she loves this, this one. This is one is absolutely crazy. This is This, is the, this is the craziest one by four, far. So he's 14 years old. Um, he lures him to the home, you know, again, with promises of taking pictures of him for money. Um, the little boy comes, oops, sorry, let me get back to my notes here. Um, so he takes him back to the apartment, uh, like he did with most of his victims, um, he drugged the little boy with the sleeping pills and started to perform oral sex on him as he was oral and anal sex on him as he was uh, unconscious. Um, he also did the same procedure that he did previously. He drilled the hole into his skull to inject the hydrochloric acid um, and then anally raped him. Um, he actually Dahmer left to go get more beer. 
because while he was in the room, he started drinking. He ran out of beer. He actually left to get more beer. Mm -hmm. And that's when Conorak stumbled out of the apartment. He's dazed. He's naked. He's bleeding from his buttock. And then these two women that lived nearby in the apartment complex, they found him. Um, I actually have the women's names. Um, it was Nicole Childress and Sandra Smith. They immediately called the police. Um, when the cops turned up, Dahmer happened to reappear at that time. Um, and then that's when Dahmer said that he actually was not 14. He was 19. He was his 19 year old boyfriend. He just looked much younger than what he really was. And, uh, he brought back the Polaroid photos. Now, how in the world they did not see the fucking hole in this kid's head, I still don't know. I don't I don't know. I'm still trying to figure I, out how the fuck. I don't remember ever reading that he had a hole in his head. I thought that, that he, he didn't escaped inject, before that happened. That he did it after he brought him back in yes. the apartment. Okay. Yes. See, Murderpedia told me one thing and then Wikipedia told me another yeah. thing. So I'm not I sure think, which one. But he I definitely he gave was, him the sleeping pills. Yes, he was asleep. He got beaten and raped and um he Dahmer did go to get more beer and he did stumble outside and was yeah. completely bloody and bruised all Does that make no sense to me? That would make no sense why you wouldn't see a couple in his damn head. head. Right. So but then also the aspect of really your stupid. brother got taken by this kid and you're gonna go with him too? Like, I don't understand this You child. knew, even if you didn't know it was the same guy, you knew your brother was taken. Why would you go with anybody? Yeah, that's true. I wouldn't true. go with anybody. Even if you didn't know it was the same guy, you knew your brother was kidnapped and had this crazy shit happen to him. That too. Like, why would you do that? Yep. It just, none of that made sense to me. Yep. Um, so, again, he brings the Polaroid photos, brings the boys' clothes, and is telling the cops that they just, you know, they're into rough sex, they're into S&M. Um, the cops were very uncomfortable because yep. these are two gay men. And, you know, oh, my God. I mean, just the... Everything that went along with this, with these fucking asshole cops, like do you know what gets me the most was, though? Oh my god, is the fact that ridiculous. they go into his apartment just, and there was a dead body. You took my point. It's still a good point. They 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 missed the fucking body in the like, room. Damn it! It was on the other side of the bed. Yep. That's what I'm saying though. Walk to the they other side. They walked through the entire apartment. Did not completely look in the bedroom. Just peeked in. No big deal. Well, I know on Dead the body bed, on the other side of the bed. On the Anna, bed, there was porn and dildos. And so I just... The whole thing was just wrought with these really homophobic fucking cops. And they didn't want to deal with two gay guys. Yeah. They walked into the apartment. They kind of like half looked around. Yeah. They looked in the room. They saw naked pornography on the walls of gay men. They saw dildos. They were just like, oh God, we're just I'm done. No, we don't, we don't want to see anymore. We're done. We're done. We're totally homophobic. We're just going to leave. Yep. And then he even told these two women... These, I mean, these women protested. They're like, this is not a 19-year-old man. This is a boy. Like, why don't you do anything about this? These cops actually threatened to arrest these women if they mm -hmm. didn't. They, they told them to shut up. Yep. Like, these are two fags. Leave them alone. Like, they threatened to arrest these women for... And then the actual... What the incident report said, intoxicated Asian, naked male, laughing was returned to his sober boyfriend, more laughing. So you can actually, I don't, I think you that can still find it. Cause I've yeah, heard they were, they, you can hear them laughing. You can hear them laughing. Yeah. 
If you look it up, you can hear. Oh, them it's laughing. like an audio. Yeah. yeah, it's an oh, audio. I recording. thought you meant like the written report. No, no, no. no. You can the hear audio them recording of oh, them Jesus radioing back to you know whatever the main police headquarters was is yeah. them saying like, oh yeah, gay Asian boy uh, giving back to his boyfriend. Yeah, it was just two fags. Like I remember that. It's it and was they are awful, laughing. and they're cracking up laughing. Can you think now, looking back Doesn't, after finding out that he brutally murdered this boy? How those cops? I would kill myself. I, like they were, they fired. should kill they themselves. Should like, have been they, were, they were fired. Yeah. They should oh, yeah. not have been just, just fired. fired. No. Yeah. No. They should have been like they should have been charged as accessories. I'm yes. sorry, you yeah. are just yes. as culpable for that. No, I'm not sorry. You are just as culpable <laughs> for that boy's murder as he was. Yep, for what 100%. you did. That is disgusting. I could not. You half asked your job that myself. night, and a boy lost his life because of it. Yeah, because of you. You did not protect. Yep. So after the cops asses. left, um, he murdered Conorak, dismembered his body, and kept the skull as he did to every other one of his victims. Um, yeah, that was a really sad case. That was just absolutely horrific. And what number was that? Which number murder? So that would have been, let me see, by this time, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. That was the twelfth murder? Yep. Wow. Yep. We've got five more to go. Um, Matt Turner, uh, was 20 years old when he was murdered by Dahmer, June 30th of 1991. Um, they actually had originally met a gay pride, um, and he asked him if he wanted to come back to his apartment with him. Um, he kept uh, Turner's skull in the freezer. So that was the one we were talking about in the photos. That was yeah. the initial head that was in the freezer. Uh, Jeremiah Weinberger uh, met Dahmer at a nightclub when he was 23 years old. He went back to Dahmer's apartment with him, um, spent the weekend with him, actually. Um, when Weinberger wanted to leave, though, Dahmer freaked out. So, you know, again, this is when those abandonment issues come out. Dahmer freaked out, became angry, uh, strangled him, and dismembered the body. Uh, he also put his head in the freezer as well. Um, in July of 1991, this is when Dahmer purchased the uh, big gallon barrel of hydrochloric acid that he was actually going to use to dispose of the victims. It was a 57-gallon barrel of hydrochloric acid. I don't know how you just, like, randomly purchase something <laughs> and like just that gets thrown and then the bring it to the second floor of an apartment <laughs> building yeah. and, like, nobody says anything. Actually, by this time, people had started to complain about the smell. Yeah. And he said it was the dead one. tropical fish. That was one story. One, the, His refrigerator the, went the bad. Lady. Yeah, the refrigerator went yeah, bad. Yeah, and the... There was a lady that was a neighbor. Like, they all knew it was coming from yeah, his apartment. Yeah, everybody knew it was coming from but his apartment. But there was one lady that said it smelled like chitlins. Yes. And they have a very distinct smell, yeah. apparently. I don't know yes, what they smell like. Yes, they do. Y'all, I'm black. Look, we're just going to throw it out there. <laughs> My mom was all about the chitlins, literally every part of the pig. And yeah. they are the nastiest fucking smelling thing. And I, I've never even been able to bring myself to actually eat one yeah. because the smell and the process of cooking them is so Horrible. fucking awful <laughs> that I won't even eat them. Yeah, she said it smelled exactly like that. Yeah, and I was like, that just God sounds awful. bad. I don't know what just, it is, it's, but it just yeah, sounds don't, bad. Don't, y'all, look, that just sounds bad. Any of our black listeners out there are like, oh, y'all, we know. Like They're like, oh, we know. We know. It's nasty. <laughs> it's exactly what the fuck it smells like. Probably pretty damn close to a dead body. Um... So during this time, okay. Um, so during this time, uh, 
Dahmer was pretty much fucking off at the job, the Ambrosia Chocolate Company that he was at. He was just, <laughs> like, completely off. fucking off. He was missing days of work. He was more preoccupied with getting drunk and killing and murdering dead bodies and raping them. I almost said um, same, but I was so like, no. You're, you're same. <laughs> I feel you, fam. I, I feel you. you. Sometimes I'm at work and I'm just, like, I'm fucking around. And <laughs> fucking I'm like, I just wish I'm I was like, drunk. Yeah, I got a dead body in the freezer <laughs> I need to get to. Like, fuck. Like... <laughs> I was more talking about the drunk part. Oh, yeah, like, no. (laughs) After work, we get drunk. We don't kill people. Yeah. I don't have hesitation. That's what we do. (laughs) Got the scotch. (laughs) Got that scotch. Fucking scotch. I'm surprised um, there's not a drink with made with scotch that's called something Dahmer. Something Dahmer. Yeah. Oh, now that we put it out there, it'll happen. Oh, yeah, it'll happen. Watch, somebody will do it. I'd buy it just to keep it. Me too. Put it in the freezer. Memento. <laughs> well, it, sound, it kind of sounds like we're turning into Dahmers, guys. We're like, we'll just buy it to keep it and put it in the freezer. Yeah, you have him dream. on the brain. I'm telling you guys, I have him. <laughs> we have him on the brain after we do these things. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. not so much with BTK, but like Bundy really affected me after Dahmer's we did that Dahmer's been one. sitting Dahmer's with me, Dahmer's been sitting with me since yeah. we've been doing this, so... Um, July 15th in 1991, 23-year-old Oliver Lacey... Uh, spent time in Dahmer's apartment. They would engage in sexual activity and sensual body rubs. Um, mm. Dry humps. Again, like, <laughs> just Weinberger. Lacey wanted to leave. Dahmer freaked out. So he drugged him, strangled him, dismembered the body. He kept his heart and his head in his refrigerator. I also think um, it's funny on the trial, they they would categorize, Dahmer would categorize it between light sex and heavy sex. Yes. And light sex was like the sensual rubbing that you were talking about. Exactly. Like they were making love. <laughs> we're like, oh my God. Yeah. They were like kissing and touching <laughs> each other. And then the hard sex was like anal, anal penetration. And yeah. Anal fucking. fucking. Anal and oral fucking. Anal and fucking. <laughs> I'm like over here like anal penetration. <laughs> anal fucking. Okay, if anybody's let's listening to me at work, I swear to God, I hope you're listening with headphones. So. <laughs> well, let's be honest. They got bloody assholes. They obviously have been fucking. Yeah. You obviously been Hard fucking. fucking. <laughs> Pretty hard. Yeah. Hard sex. Pretty bad. God, could you imagine somebody that listening to this at work and your boss walks by and you're hard anal fucking. <laughs> That is hilarious. Like, Tom? Excuse me. Can I see you in my office, please? We need to have a little conversation. We need to have a conversation. Excuse me, um, Susan. About your uh, (laughs) podcast at work. Um, About your listening. Um. Four days after he uh, murders Lacey, he gets fired from the Ambrosia Chocolate Company. I pretty much think he saw that coming coming, because he was just done with that job anyway. Um, Same day he gets fired. Uh, he murders his last victim. This is Joseph Bradhoft. He was 25 years old. Um, Bradhoft was gay. They met. They had sex. Uh, he was drugged by Dahmer, murdered, dismembered. The head was placed in the freezer. And the rest of the remains were stuffed in the um, gallon barrel of acid that he had purchased. Um On July 22nd of 1991, this is what ultimately led to Dahmer's arrest, he uh, offered Tracy Edwards, who was a heterosexual black male, age 31, to come back to his apartment to have drinks. Uh, Dahmer slapped handcuffs around Edwards' wrist and had him captured for several hours. Um, I think it was about four hours, to be exact. Held him at knife point. Um, During this time... 
Uh, Edwards was trying everything he could to try to calm Dahmer down. Dahmer was just telling him, you know, I'm not going to kill you. He would put his ear to his heart to listen to it. He would touch him. He would take pictures of him. And during this time, Tracy was freaked out, but he was still trying the best he could to just try to keep him calm. Um, he ended up asking Dahmer to go to, well, oh, right. So he asked Dahmer to actually undo the cuffs to go to the bathroom and then later asked him if they could sit in the living room where there was air conditioning. So Dahmer relented. They go back to the living room. They're sitting there and he's drinking, drinking, drinking. Um, he asks him again if he can go to the bathroom, the more drunk he seen Dahmer get. And when Dahmer turned just for a minute, he bolted out of the apartment and ran. Um, he flagged down two cops uh, where they he sees them with the handcuffs on. And again, they think it's just like another rough sex thing. And he's like, no, absolutely not. This guy's got the key. I will take you to his apartment. Like you need to go in there and, and see what's going on. Um, so they go in, they search the apartment and that's when they literally find everything. The hundreds of Polaroid pictures of every victim that he had, um, they opened up the freezer, they find the heads, they could find you, the wait, heart. Like, could you just imagine you're just walking into this house? Oh my god, is and a then cop you just open and the you... freezer and you're like, Oh. There's it's not even that. Imagine you walk in and imagine the smell. Yeah, the smell would have to be really bad too. And then you open the fridge and you see all that and you're just like Bleh! like immediate. <laughs> I would be like, I need a minute, I need a minute, and like barfing as I'm like walking around. Two like, on two, we need backup. <laughs> we need a lot of fucking backup. Yeah. You know, he was very like sullen when they arrested him. He said he just lost his job and he just kind of just gave up. I mean, he didn't really try to fight when he got arrested. Um, it knew. said in total that they found a human they found human head in the fridge, the floor freezer, a human heart in the fridge freezer compartment the blue barrel with the body in it, um, two skulls in a computer box, three skulls that he kept in a filing cabinet that were painted, um, two skulls in a kettle, and a penis and hands in another kettle. Um, they also found body parts, various body parts, wrapped up in the freezer and in the fridge for consumption. Um, yep. So in total, Dahmer was initially charged on July 25th of 1991 of four counts of homicide, and this was as a result of the initial search of his apartment from what they found. Um, he admitted to his crimes and declined to shift any blame. Um, his bail was initially set for $1 million. By August 22nd of 1991, he was charged with 11 further murders from Wisconsin. So that took it up to 15 counts of murder in total. Um, he changed his plea uh, he admitted guilt, but he said he was guilty and insane. Um, as Casper mentioned in the beginning of all the various different things that he was uh, diagnosed with, um, one of the main things that they said during the trial period that took place in January of 92, that um, he, was psych he was not psychotic, but he was a sexual sadist that had antisocial personality disorder. There was also another therapist that mentioned that he, because he almost initially hated himself because of his homosexuality, because he felt like he would never be accepted, mm -hmm. that he killed other people that were gay or that he perceived to be gay because there was something about himself that he, he hated like. so much. Mm -hmm. But yet 
him even being diagnosed with that in the state of Wisconsin, it was still, he was still deemed sane. Yep. Regardless of all that, those did not account for pleading insanity in the state of Wisconsin. Exactly. So he was sane. Because he knew right from wrong Mm -hmm. is how they justified it. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, he's crazy. And yeah, we know what he did was crazy. But he knew in the eyes of the law, essentially, what he was doing. Yeah. Um, so for the 15 total murders, he was found guilty of every single one of them. Um, I know some people, this was uh, February 15th of 1992 when he was ultimately found guilty of the 15 murders. Uh, some people would bring up the death penalty. Like, why didn't he get the death penalty? Um, it actually was not an option at the time in Wisconsin. Capital yeah, punishment by that time had been abolished in 1853, of all things. Um, three months later, after the conviction in February, on May 1st of 1992, he was extradited back to Ohio, and he was tried and sentenced for the 16th life prison term of Stephen Hicks, his very first victim. So actually his last charge was his very first victim. Uh, So from there, while uh, Dahmer was in prison, he devoted himself to God. He was baptized. This was actually more so by the urging of his father. His father really urged him to become, get right with God, find Christ, get yourself baptized. Um, His father put him in connection with a Church of Christ minister, and Dahmer was baptized on May, uh, in May of 1994. I think he started to feel okay with himself when he did that, though. In a sense. You know what, though? But he still accepted death. Like, he just, he He still wanted, he was I, but he was was at the point where he was okay. Like, after he did all that, and like, he was like, I'm okay with what I have. Yeah. I'm okay with death. Now I'm okay with it. Yeah. I've accepted it. Yeah. I've accepted what happened to me. Yeah. Um, You know, because like we said, even what happened at the sentencing, he, he understood why the families were anger, yeah. angry and with him. He's like, they and have, he, every, right they to have every right to be. Yeah. I, I take full responsibility yeah. for what I did. And he, I love how he put it too. Cause he was talking to the one lady and he said, the person responsible for everything you're talking about is sitting right across yeah. from you. It's not society. It's not parents. It's not anything else, but me. Yeah. He didn't blame his dad. He didn't blame. Cause I know later on, uh, specifically Stephen Hicks family sued Lionel Dahmer and his, uh, wife. Um, They said that it was their fault, basically their lack of, or no, I'm sorry, not Sherry, but Joyce. They sued uh, Lionel and Joyce because they said that it was their, basically they said it was their fault. Their lack of parenting is what led to their son being murdered. That obviously didn't stand. And I think the only other time that Lionel was sued was using a name, because he did write a book in 1994 prior to to Jeff dying about his story as a father and everything. Um, so prior to him actually being murdered in July of 1994, there was another attempted murder on his life. It was an inmate named Osvaldo Deruthi. He attempted to slit Dahmer's throat with the razor blade that he had hidden. Uh, Dahmer only suffered superficial wounds at that time. He really wasn't really mm-hmm. injured extent, you know, extensively. Um, but on November 28th, 1994, he was murdered. He was beaten to death in the prison bathroom by a man who, named Christopher Scarver, who at first stated that he was schizophrenic and that God told him to murder Jeffrey. But he later stated that Jeffrey, he murdered him because 
now I didn't believe this. I just, because of the type of person that Jeffrey was and how shy and antisocial he was, this, this just did not strike me as something that he would do. Uh, Christopher said and has said since that Dahmer would taunt him and other inmates. Yeah, that he would right. do things like he would take food and he would shape it into human body parts and put ketchup on it as if it was blood and like stab at it and put it in his mouth like he was eating people. And he like constantly taunted mm-hmm. him no. all the time that like Jeffrey provoked this. I feel like and I'm like, I'm not buying that. I, I feel don't like see Jeffrey as... literally sat and did what he was supposed to do. And that's what didn't want to did. be bothered. No. Didn't want any. He was there a was, loner. There was he one was interview. I, I think. I actually it. think it, it might have been an interview with Dahmer, and he said that, um, you know, he was he like got a job at the library at the prison and was like getting into like reading and like found himself with God and when he was at being escorted to the pool, I guess, to do his baptism. Uh, like the inmates were like, Oh, Don, where are you going? He was like, I'm going to be baptized. And they were like, good for you, man. Like, good for you. Way to get right with God. Yeah, yeah. Way to get right with God. Like they supported him. Yeah. Even the, like, well, some of them, obviously not all of them, but you know, like he, he wouldn't have provoked it. Like, how can some people say, good for you, man, like, just trying to get on the right path, and, oh, he provoked me by putting ketchup on a carrot that looked like a penis and eating it. And eating it, yeah, no. No. I'm not buying that at all. I didn't buy it. I think Christopher Scarver, you know, they later, other inmates had said that he had found a newspaper article about Jeffrey Dahmer's crimes and had pretty much made it his intention to to kill kill him. him. He had told there were many, 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 many other inmates that came out later and said, no, he was going to kill him. Regardless. He found an article, knew what he did and said, I'm I'm going to murder him because Christopher Scarver was black. And he basically did it because he thought that Dahmer's was, murders was were racially motivated yeah. because most of Dahmer's murders were black people. But yeah. like we stated in the beginning, yep. that had absolutely nothing to do with it. Nope. A lot of it was just he had a certain body type. He had a certain white, type he had that black, he, liked. he had Asian He's like, you got a nice face and a nice body. Possible Germans. Possibly. Possible Germans. I think, and I think some of it too, which is demographically. Yeah. Whatever was around that he was attracted to, that's what he went for. If he was attracted to it, he was after it. It didn't matter. That didn't matter. Yeah. Uh, He was 34 years old when he was murdered. Um, He was beaten to death by a uh, metal pipe. Um, and again, that was November 28th, 1994. He was cremated. He was just born. Now his mom. Yeah, she was literally just born when he was killed. Twenty days later. Twenty died. twenty Whoa. days. Yeah, Mackenzie was born in November eighth of ninety four, and he and was killed November twenty eighth of ninety four. Damn. I know. 94 was just a sucky year all the way yeah. around. No, because she was born. That's a good no. thing. It was a That's wonderful a year. Thing. That, you were born. <laughs> that was wonderful, but like OJ Simpson, like a whole bunch murder. Of shit like there was so down. much shit that went down that year. Like, yeah. holy fuck. I was 10. I was one. I was just 10. I was one. Hanging I was out. 20 days old. Your mom probably saw it on the news too and everything. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, I was you, probably yeah. sitting in my rug like to be like, <laughs> And she's like, why is she like, what, if she only knew. I know. <laughs> like, oh, years like, later. Years later, she was like, why oh, she my was God. so excited. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my baby's on TV. So he was actually cremated. Um, his mom, though, wanted his brain uh, donated to science. Like, 
His mom mm-hmm. pretty much thought that there was something malfunctioned in his brain that maybe if they found some type of brain malformations that they could study that later. Uh, his dad actually protested it because it was Jeffrey's wishes that he be cremated. But ultimately, uh-huh. after they went to court, the court sided. They kept the brain and the body was cremated and the ashes were split between his mother, Joyce, and his father, Lionel. Mm-hmm. Um Again, like we mentioned, Lionel did remarry to his wife, Sherry. They are still married. Um, Joyce died in 2000 of cancer, unfortunately. Um, She was actually pretty distraught initially after she found out that Jeffrey was murdered. She said to people like, are you happy now? They finally beat him to death. Like, Mm -hmm. are you finally happy now? Um, you know, his parents information out on his even, brother because I was asking her, like, I haven't heard anything about bro- David. No. And to be quite honest with he you guys, I what he did change he, his oh, name. Yeah. He did. Especially because he completely named changed, him. He completely changed his name. I mean, the only people that actually kept their surnames was Lionel, his father. And when Sherry married him, she took on the name Dahmer. Joyce went back to her maiden name. Obviously, she was divorced from Lionel, so that would make yeah. sense. But she still loved her son. But no, David, David completely like, nope, changed his name, went completely anonymous and wanted nothing to do with anything. And which is, honest, I don't blame people, him. I totally, yeah. I get it. Yeah. I wouldn't want to be. Well, I it's just it, like Ted Bundy's kid. Oh God. Yeah. Like, she's who the fuck my, is that? Nobody, no, nobody, nobody knows, knows who that what is. happened to her or where she went <laughs> well, or anything. Dahmer even said that he wanted to be cremated, but he like did not want a service. He wanted. Yep. He did not want anybody to be there. He wanted to die, be cremated, and that be the end of it. He he didn't want any recognition. He did not want... Um, he didn't want anybody to mourn him. No. I think he hated himself. This, yeah. He was very self-loathing, guys. And I think that was something that his dad sympathized with him. Because his dad said in so many interviews that, like, I saw so much of myself and my son. Yeah. I was a loner. I was just brutally shy. I did not have a lot of friends. You know, I engaged in things. His dad even said that he would have nightmares of murdering people. He never acted on it, but as a child and an adolescent, when he was setting fires and doing these things to get Mm -hmm. attention, like similar to what Jeffrey did, that he would actually have dreams. And if somebody would anger him, like he had bullies. So if he would dream about these bullies and dream that he had murdered them. So I think Lionel... He blamed himself because he saw himself in his son. And he felt like if there was more I could have done, then I could have led Jeffrey down this path instead of the path that that he ultimately (laughs) chose. But again, I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that, you know, if you would have... I still go back to you. You still loved and accepted your son after you found out their brutality. And like I said, guys, we didn't go into every minute detail, but these were some brutal, horrific, god awful, horrible murders and mutilations. If you just look up the pictures, just watch the trial too. Just watch the, the trial. trial. She goes look into up the, the pictures, details. like we mentioned. The pictures like, of his victims, like mm-hmm. they're. All you have to do is Google Jeffrey Dahmer um, apartment apartment uh, crime photos. They're literally all over the internet. Or like you I said, Murderopedia, Murderpedia.org, guys. Just like don't be around children and or don't work. be at work. Don't do it. Yeah. It's pretty gruesome. Yeah. The trial's really good, though, because in each of the victims, they show the picture of the actual victim in the corner, and they'll say, like, victim one, victim two. So you, like, yeah. go through all of them as it goes. 
It's a long trial, but it's about an hour and a half, I believe. Yeah. Oh, also, in case any of you thrill seekers out there want to go searching, that apartment was destroyed. Yes. The entire apartment building was torn down, and it's a there parking lot too, now, I think, There was I too much grievance in that whole entire apartment complex, and they didn't want to look at it and have that memory anymore, so they took it down. Well, and then you have just gawkers. You do have oh, those yeah. people. Tourists. Sorry, I'd have been one of them. Yeah. <laughs> I would have been like, so can I'd we go? Take, can we go? Can we take pictures? Can I don't we... I don't think they probably could have ever gotten that smell out of there either. Oh my god, oh, yeah, yeah, that too. That would have been bad. That too. So I no. mean that alone with the the acid, the death, the I mean blood seeping into all that, like there's no way they could have gotten that smell out of that apartment no. complex. No. no. I doubt that. Then we're so, just kinda like, we're just gonna nah, we're just gonna wipe it clean. Yeah. So yeah, they completely destroyed it. Um, little quick side note, guys. I know I had mentioned previously in the Waverly Hills episode that I had sort of like a pseudo family connection. So weird connection to Dahmer. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. My ex, my ex's brother uh, is from here, but moved to Wisconsin, still lives there. Um, he's gay. He actually bumped into, they used to frequent the same gay bar. And the, uh, where he was working at the time was right around the corner from Jeffrey Dahmer's apartment. So. Could have been a victim. Very well could have been a victim. Like, Did he ever see it? Did he see him? Um, you know, he said that he, after the trial and after everything came out on television, that he says now looking back, he's like, I think I may have seen him. I think I may, you know, like I never mm-hmm. thought anything about it because he's like, you know, we're dancing. We're having a good time. Everybody's yeah. just kind of hanging well, out. Bar, casual, look at somebody and think you know, they're a serial and killer. And honestly, <laughs> by this time too, he himself was sort of kind of closeted. So like nobody at his job knew that he was gay, but he would go to these gay bars and yeah. see people and every, there was this big anonymous thing. Like nobody would tell each other's real names because if you were still closeted, you didn't want it to get around town. Yeah. But anybody knew, I mean, he's openly gay now. He's a husband, happily married, everything great. Mazel tov. But he then like, didn't want anybody to know. But later on he said, you know, and I talked to him about it. He said, yeah, I, I know I saw him. I know I did. That Club 219 that he used to go to all the time. Popular. This was a very, very, very popular gay bar in downtown Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And a lot of gay men would frequent did that bar. Did they close it down? You know, I never looked into that. You're curious. I never looked into that. That is really, if anything, I would have changed the fucking name. name yeah. Like, <laughs> I would have well, like, definitely changed like, the fucking will, name. Would a, would a bar be open, like, for 30 years? Well, now it's going on, like, 40 years. Oh, yeah, I'd be over 40 years yeah, now. Yeah, so, like, is it actually still open, or did they close it down? Like, I don't know. How do you spell Milwaukee? M-I-L... I got it. Yep, got it. <laughs> we're checking on it guys heck if any of you live in the area and you're listening to this please no. like reach out that would be oh, it's, it's not even on on this list okay yep then it's like we said if it's 30 40 years old then it's probably either yeah, gone it's, or, or it's there but it's remained. or they could have very it well is permanently it. closed as by <laughs> google oh well there you go google it says Club Two Nineteen is recorded closed at this location. If it's incorrectly closed, please report it. <laughs> report. <laughs> I'll buy it and reopen it. <laughs> it doesn't. I'm very it curious. It closed October of two thousand five and opened February nineteen eighty one. 
clientele wow. was male female dance disco bar. Interesting. History of gay and lesbian life in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Damn. Very interesting. That's so weird that you have a family connection, kind of like a family connection to Dahmer, and I have a family connection to Bundy. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Yeah. But the fact that he even said, like, oh, no, I I know I bumped into him. him. I know I saw him. Like, he's like, I never talked to him. We never interacted. And looking back, thank fucking God, because I could have been victim number, what, 17 like on that list. Cause again, like we said, guys, he did not discriminate. It wouldn't have mattered white, black, whatever. He just, you know, you know what I actually told him? I said, I said, he just wasn't attracted to you. (laughs) (laughs) You was too ugly for him. Well, if he, (laughs) if he found him attractive enough, he would have spotted him. He would have gone after him. He would have. He would have immediately gone after him. I said, luckily you were not his fucking type. Right. Except my mom was Bundy's type. He was just not that into you. <laughs> He's just not that into you. He's just you. not that into you. <laughs> wow, that was a solid episode. Well, we that hit about awesome. two hours. We hit about two hours. We thought it was going to be about yeah. two hours. We got it out there, This guys. bar was originally called the Trash Bar. <laughs> <laughs> For good back. reason. Yeah. Oh, no, my I'm gosh. Kidding. It literally says... It became nationally infamous in mid 1991 when it was revealed that this was the bar frequented by mass murderer Jeffrey Dahmer, who met several men here who were subsequently found to be murdered by him. Did they change the name? It after says that? by mid 1990s, Club 219 had been eclipsed by several other bars in popularity as the 90s came to a close. The area was struggling as development began to encroach on the area, severely limiting parking. The bar continued to operate, however, and early 2005 saw new hope as longtime DJ Tony or Tanya, who was formerly at the La Cage, the bird. The bird. Oh, the bird cage, yeah. which was the other gay bar that yeah, he so, went to. Yeah, so the bird cage was on top uh like was the top bar and then the second gay bar was 219 and then they started to like 219 started to like decline decline so then the dj of the bird whatever like like whatever came to 219 and was hired and began to try to inject new energy into the bar with updated lighting, music, and entertainment. But unfortunately, the bar finally succumbed to decline popularity and sparse crowds, even on Saturday nights, and closed its doors early in October of 2005. They never changed their name wow. or anything like that. That surprises me that they didn't change their name. kept it Club yeah. 219, even after... Because could you imagine how many gay men had interactions with him and then found out later that he was the murderer? Oh. And oh my God. I mean, like they literally like, you were walking past the serial killer. So here, there's a statement on here by Jamie Taylor. And it says, I worked at Cesla V for a time and John Clayton had an unwritten rule. Cesla V bartenders were not allowed to go into 219 or Phoenix, but mostly 219 because there was friction between the two owners and John would not sell 219 to him. So uh, it says, well, not Phoenix all of us. Phoenix was another bar I mentioned yeah. too yeah. that he met. It says, well, not all of us bartenders followed that rule. I went on a date with what would become my first boyfriend at 219. It was exciting as that he had, that had been the first dance club I had ever been to. After I left Celavi, I went in there more often. One night, a guy said hi to me, 
and I walked away because he stunk. That person I later learned was Jeffrey Dahmer. After I started working for InStep as a photographer, I went to Club 219 a lot. Never had to pay a cover charge. Um, I shot my many drag shows and strippers there. I also met many famous drag queens there. They all loved me because they knew they would probably make it in the pages of InStep. Ron, who was the new owner of InStep, called me one day and said, I have a photo shoot for you at 219. I thought, okay, until he said, oh, by the way, get some good pictures of Carol Channing. I was elated. She was the first of many national celebrities I would meet over the years with InStep. One time a guy did show there with a tiger and he posted, there, there's a picture down here. Um, there were many popular bartenders that worked there at one time or another, Kevin Roeder, who drowned in Lake Michigan during a boating trip in 97, Mark Meyerhofer, Spike and Roger Dodger, just to name a few. Um, and then it goes in to talk about um, who was, Kimberly Ann was the original DJ. Um, so that guy actually So he, he said he stunk, though. Yeah, so Dahmer said hi to him, and he smelled really bad, so he walked away, and he would later found out that that was Jeffrey Dahmer. He probably smelled like alcohol. He yeah, probably alcohol. Probably, if yeah. you're a chronic alcoholic, well, it could have been the hydrochloric one. acid and that too. It could just like, smell like body odor. Yeah, it just could have been. Did bad. you shower? But you, if you're an alcoholic, though, you do admit, like, I, I grew up with an alcoholic. Like, you drink incessantly. So you're, this, it, like, comes out of your pores. You, like, mm-hmm. sweat alcohol. It says, I'm sh- I was sure to see the strippers package unwrapped up there, too. Kimberly, who was the DJ, had a knack at getting the strippers to whip it out. Lots of naughty stuff happened in that DJ booth. If the audience only knew the access I had to the strippers, they would all be jealous. Hell, they should be happy. I was the fluffer on a few occasions. <laughs> and then there's like, I don't. I bet all kinds of stuff went on like in that place. And then there's like this picture of like they put like this. You know how like they have those cutouts at places yeah. where you can like stick your head in it. Like they would have like this nude nude man with a whip, and you could put your face in it. Wow. Erotic Santa. Ero- <laughs> pretty much. Erotic so, Santa. That's I'm... pretty crazy that this guy was a photographer and was approached by Dahmer. That's why I said. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Because like yeah. I said, with my ex-brother-in-law, this guy, to know, to not, to know that you had bumped into this guy and then not, to, not to find out later, later that, holy shit, this guy was a serial killer and yeah. I could have been a victim. Woo. It's crazy. Up. All right, guys. Well, that wraps up our Dahmer episode. Um, that was a great episode. That Thank was. you, Kenzie. Of course. Yes. I'm glad I could be on it. <laughs> I love me some Dahmer. So. Yes, you do. <laughs> guys, I uh, let me tell you how much she loves Dahmer. I actually bought her a shirt two years ago for her birthday that has a picture of him on it, and it says, you're so cute, I could just eat you up. <laughs> yummy. So <laughs> fucked up. She actually does smell pretty yummy, though, guys. I told her she that last night that I wanted to, that I wanted to eat her. I don't know if it's my <laughs> she hair. She smelled delicious, but my my perfume was called Embrace. <laughs> so she was embracing. Just embrace me. <laughs> don't eat me, but yeah. Me. <laughs> like, let's let's draw the line. You're yeah. not gonna eat. No, yeah. no thanks. All right. So next week is the episode on skeletons in the closet, where we actually interviewed the director Tana. Tony Wash and Ben Lewandowski. So that's actually um, 
going to be, it's a really good episode, guys. We're really excited about this That was such an awesome one. interview. Yeah. We really appreciated them them doing it. And uh, they did mention um, that they're going to be at some conventions later this mm-hmm. year. So They're going to be at the Horror Hound in, yeah, uh, in, in Indianapolis. Indianapolis. Yeah. yeah. So if you guys so. get a chance to order the movie online, please do or meet them at any of the conventions. They were really nice at Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cincinnati's yeah, Mackenzie met them too. She was with me, so. Yeah, that was really awesome. Uh, and watch the movie too, guys. It's Fucking amazing! It's absolutely fantastic. Uh, the rake is another one. Sorry, we told Tom, we told Tony we tried to give him as much yes, you know, feedback on that one too. We watched the rake. Um, we did. We talked about the rake a little bit, but most of the interview was skeletons in the closet, which was amazing. Mm-hmm. If you like eighties anthology horror, it is right up your alley. He had me at eighties. Eighties. <laughs> I'm there. Yep. Year I was born. Yep. I was a little late. Same. <laughs> yeah, 90s. you were there in spirit. We I was. I believe me. I'm like my entire world is. The we 80s, were definitely so. all born in the wrong decade. I'm yes. there. I was. Definitely born in the wrong yes. Decade. I should have been like my mom. My mom was born in the '61. I should have been born in '61 because she lived her teenage years through the '70s and her 20s through the '80s, and See, I hate her. I'm envious. I hate her for it. My husband <laughs> spent his entire childhood through the '80s, so <sighs> I was born in the '70s and spent his childhood through the '80s. So I'm like totally envious. I hate just, that. Yeah. I like the 80s. Hashtag I love the 90s too, but then I again, too, I was but... born, so I didn't really get to spend much in it. Right. We were just kind of like hanging out as babies. <laughs> yeah. But eight, 80s, 80s is where it's at. The just 80s. hanging out, little babies. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, have a fantastic week, and we will see you next oh, week. Oh, 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 sponsors. And, I'm sorry. And the good Jesus. It's been a Casper, long It's been a long Guys, podcast. it has been a long podcast and a long day, <laughs> but quickly... Um, we'll throw out there, we're still uh, taking emails for our cryptids episode. I yes. know that she's been, uh, Casper's been posting it all over social media. If anybody's had any cryptid encounters, um, email dfwto8493 at gmail.com. And um, we've got our sponsor, Calm Your Body Down, for all your beauty bath body needs. Get your uh, bath bombs, body creams. Um, the Etsy shop is up and running. Um, there's also new products posted. There's a warming cream that's like an icy hot. That's amazing for muscle tension. Um, the Etsy shop is etsy.com slash shop slash calm your body down and check out on Instagram at see your BD. Also, uh, social media, you can follow us on Podbean. Yes. Podbean podcast player, Castbox, and Spotify at all. Don't fuck with the original. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Don't fuck with the original. The Twitter handle is DFWTO8811. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Kenzie. Of course. Thanks Hope you guys love me. the episode. Is that everything? Because I'm, everything. I'm like, am I, am I fucking got it. forget Yay, something else? Watch it. my friend Dahmer and Skeletons in the Closet. Yes, please do. Yes. Do it. That's your homework. And if you like my friend Dahmer, watch Sabrina because Ross Lynch. Yeah. <laughs> Bye, guys. Have Bye. a week.